0: you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's face face face, face. I think I earned the right to go on the internet and see a guy get a chainsaw on the face. Dude, my dad was drunk and my mom was dealing with it. Guess what? I got raised by a cookie monster. My cock looks like it's been in a hockey fight. time my stupidity. It's at the speed of goddamn light. I got a bunch of blocks. Hey, what's happening? Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy, podcast. There's something on my desk making a noise and I can't figure out what it is and it's driving me fucking crazy. See if you can hear it. Of course you can't. Why could you hear it? I mean, it was doing it a second ago. It's like uh, you know how you hit those little springy things that are on your wall that nobody knows what the fuck they're for. It's supposed to be a doorstop, but not really. That you know, like that fucking thing. Well, there's something on my desk making that like noise. Not, but not so springy. More like, uh like if if you had a crooked quarter or a warped quarter. Oh fuck! Why is that so early in the show? That'd be a good name for the show: Warped Quarter. Um, if you had a warped quarter, let it, warped quarter, you gotta hit all the R's in that, right? You gotta hit warped. You can't just say warped quarter, kata. Uh, they're animals, kata. You can't do that nonsense. Uh you gotta hit your Rs. That's alright. Let me ask you this. When you talk about the Jacksonville football team, what do you call them? Some people call them Jaguars. Someone call them Jaguars. Uh but I call them the, they're the they are the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wars, like W-A-R-WAR. War. That's war. But war, Jaguar. That's I've I've learned that from youth. Uh oftentimes my mom would sit us down as a fan as a family during the holidays and say, all right, listen, let's pronounce the name of big cats together. And my brother, Scott would say, uh, Tigre. And my mom would say, we're not Spanish in this house. You got to go with tiger son. And then one of us would go cheddar. And we go, that's a cheese, man. You got to be a cheetah. If you're talking about cheese or a uh, big cats, I should say. Uh, and then of course it would be Jaguar. And if, if any one of us uh, screwed up and said Jaguar, God love them because my mom would pull out a comb with Jaguar teeth and just run it through their hair and until they bled until they got it right. Or until they bled Jaguar scrape Ay! Jaguar scrape Yay! Jaguar scrape. Bang, 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 bang. So back to what that meant. Uh, the warped quarter is on my desk and I can't figure out where the fuck it is. And I, cause I, I'm, I'm doing really well with the rebirth thing. At least in terms of house or apartment. Uh, because I, uh, hold on, I'm going to move the microphone here and see. Hopefully it doesn't, you guys don't hear it. Although I guess I just fucking told you about it. So what the fuck? Um, there's stuff like on the, uh, like, you know, I, look, my house is, my apartment is like 80% done. Uh, I'm going to say 80 to 85% done. I went today. I shredded another 66 pounds of documents. I know that sounds ridiculous, but dudes, when you've been in the house for 21 years, kind of 21 in next week, next Monday, it'll be my 21st year in this apartment. 21st year, uh, 21st. Did I say 21st? I think I did. It'll be my 21st year in this apartment starting next Monday and, uh, 21st year back in California, 1997 is when I got here and I moved into this place. And so there's, uh, stuff man there's documents there's there's boxes and dust and all sorts of garbage you got to go clawing through and i told you i've been i've been unearthing some cool ass stuff but also you're finding a ton of garbage so i mean i've been my house has been kind of cluttered because you know it was uh, first of all i'm officially canadian now i don't know if you guys are aware of that i say a boot i drink maple syrup out of a shot glass i'm nice to everybody uh, I like hockey. So well, I mean, I liked hockey before, but now I love it. Now it feels like it's in my blood. In fact, I think I'm going to be flooding my, uh, my jungle outside my, my garden, my uh, grass. No, I don't have grass. We've got plants. We don't have grass. We just got like a bunch of stuff with palm trees. And, uh, there's, for some reason, there's a fucking Buddha statue, which I don't understand or a Ganesh. I think it's Ganesh. It's the elephant. Buddha is a dude. Ganesh is the elephant. Uh, maybe it's Buddha Ganesh. I got no idea. Maybe it's Ganesh Buddha. Could be all the isn't that where I had dinner last week in Canada? <laughs> At the end, I had Belham's B- 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 Janoush or whatever the fuck. Uh, that was some good ass chow. But uh, now I'm back, uh, sorta. Of, but I'm still Canadian. I, I I left my heart in Kitchener, Ontario. I don't think even Tom, uh, Tony Bennett would make that one sound good. Uh, that's a lot of that's well San Francisco, Kitchener, Ontario. That's a lot of syllables. Um oh speaking of syllables, Paul F. Tompkins, he keeps tweeting <laughs> whenever he sees anything with six syllables, uh, like someone said I can't even remember what it was today, but it was something like uh misplaced misplaced Ottoman or something like that. And then he'll retweet it and just go, I know, I know, it's serious. Uh misplaced Ottoman, night. well, that's only five. Misplaced Ottoman, yeah. Uh My misplaced ottoman, I know. Yeah, so he, whatever the fuck. Anything with six syllables, he retweets it. And I I actually wrote him back and I was like, uh, I will never not like this. Because he's done it like three different times. Uh, And I've been lucky enough to stumble at it every single time. Actually, that's a lie. He's the only person I follow on Twitter. I have Twitter just to follow Paul F. Tompkins and have him sing songs about license plates and then tweet tweet, uh, uh, girlfriend in a coma references for six syllable phrases. Uh, And I find it's a pretty good use of the medium. Because otherwise, what the fuck am I going to do? Have a debate with a faceless Nazi? Uh, Let's start it. We should do that. Let's have a movie with faceless Nazis. They already did that with that fucking, uh, uh, what the hell was it? Frozen Tundra or Ice Break or whatever the fuck. There's some dead calm. I don't know. No, that's Nicole Kidman. And she has to beat up a guy who fucked her and punched her in the face. Um, And rightfully so, man. Fucking throw that dude off a boat. Was that Jason Momoa? Am I wrong there? I I, got to think it was another Australian dude. Maybe I'm just maybe all movies with water now have Jason Momoa as we talked about. He's Aquaman, so anything at all. He's he was in Deep Water. He was the shark. He actually ate those people at the end. Spoiler alert! Sorry, (laughs) I'm sorry, I forgot about that. That's a tense ass movie. You should watch it, Uh, except for the fact that I just fucking tore the scab off and revealed the end like a dumb fuck. Um, But you know what? You need to watch that movie anyway, just because the the fucking the end of it is so fucking creepy. Uh, That was a movie like it was one of those movies where you're just like ah, you know this sounds like a this sounds like it could work, but I don't think it's gonna work. Uh, And then cut to yourself, biting all of your nails off and like literally like tearing your fucking popcorn bag apart because it is one of the it's just tense as fuck the whole movie. And and then the end of it, you're just like, oh, fuck, dude. Um, And look, I'm a movie guy. If nothing else, you know me, I'm a movie guy. Like, I, I was, uh, you know, Gio keeps telling me, he's like, you got to put content out on your YouTube channel. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll talk about football. I did pretty good a couple of weeks ago talking about football. And then some people were like, dude, you should have a, a sports talk show. And I'm like, I know. That <laughs> just seems like a big leap at that point. I mean, look, I can rant about the Bears and shit like that. But all of a sudden, I see my interests for like flow all over the joint. So eventually you're going to get me talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars for an hour. And you're going to be like, fuck this, dude. We can't listen to all this nonsense. Nobody wants to hear this bullshit. Uh, that seems aggressive. I think everybody really wants to like that. Um, I think all of you out there, I speak for all of you. I speak for the trees. I'm the Lorax of you guys liking me talking about sports. And the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, warped Quarter. Oh, some noise. Fuck, yeah, there you go. Now that I think about it, it's like, I'm moving the desk and it's not fucking happening. Because, uh, my again, my like the living room is pretty cleaned up. Everything's where it's supposed to be. I have, uh, I've got to get my two desks together because this is my recording desk. This will be my streaming desk. That's where I'm at now. We're not in the bedroom. We're out in the living room now because this will be media headquarters. This will be my studio, quote unquote. Uh, weird. I need to get a windscreen too, by the way. I, uh, like for my, because again, I've got the sock and everybody makes fun of it. And ho, ho, ho. But I'm starting to, uh, I think I really want the uh, windscreen because I was watching some other shows and they had like either that big foam knob or they had a windscreen. And also when I do the fucking interlude at Max's house, he's got actual professional windscreens and foam knobs and you can't hear my mouth so much. Again, as I've talked about on the show, it just seems to me like I, I find myself listening back uh, now, even before I post the show, yes, that's right. More work for Mike. And I hear myself swallow or I hear something swishing around and I'm like, God damn it. I got to cut that out. Uh, and then I think my, I do it like five times and then I go, fuck, I can't listen to the next two hours of this fucking thing. Trying to find wayward saliva, rogue saliva that comes flying. And I, I, it's okay. but it comes flying out, you wouldn't even hear that unless it plapped against the fucking microphone. But if you hear it swishing around, you're just like, uh oh, Christ. It's like, it's like you're listening to the show in a hot tub. And you just hear the Jets fucking rolling the whole time while I'm talking. And by the Jets, I mean the Jets in the hot tub. I don't mean the New York Jets, because as we all know, this is now a sports show. So I reference the Jets. You guys immediately go, is Mike going to talk about Sam Darnold? Are we going to hear about Isaiah Powell or Bilal Crowell? Or is it Bilal Powell and Isaiah Crowell or Crowell? I can't tell you, but they do. They have a Powell and a Crowell in their backfield. Uh, P-O-W-E-L-L-C-R-O-W-E-L-L. They have the Powell and Crowell attack, but it's got to be Crowell, right? I think it's Powell and Crowell which is fucked. That's a law firm. If you want to go, if you want to be like the backfield, like thunder and lightning, you got to go Powell and Crowell, Crowell, Powell and Crowell and just come at people with the fucking gang green defense and Powell and Crowell out of the backfield. And then that quarterback with really nice hair. Uh, was he the one who had a hot tub in his fucking uh, his, uh, room? I don't know if he did. He, one of those, one of the quarterbacks from, from California, either Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen of the Arizona Cardinals or Sam Darnold of the New York jets. He was at USC and Josh Rosen was at UCLA. Rosen Rosen. Uh, they, they one of them had a hot tub in their room and then like the NCAA is like, yeah, I got to get it out of there, which I don't even fucking understand, man. It's fucking college. Let these kids do what they want. You can do anything in college. You can get, you can get drunk and throw your cock in a girl's face. And then 50 years later, look at you, you're running the whole Supreme court. It's fantastic. Uh, yes. Don't write me and be like, you don't know the facts. I'm not, I'm not debating you. I don't care. Uh I mean I care, certainly I care. I can't be that guy. I I as, believe me. As much as I would love to just fucking float above it all and just be like, yeah, wee hee, a blind date. There's a song by Pearl Jam and it's uh it's called Crazy Mary and it's not by them. It's actually by I believe Lucinda Williams or Victoria Williams. I bet I guess Lucinda Williams off the top of my head because they recorded it in a benefit album for her because she got the shakes or some bullshit. I don't know. She had fucking... She got uh, uh, lupus, maybe. I don't know. See, she had some fucking disease. And Pearl Jam was like, well, let's do a song and we'll throw it on that tribute album to her because it was a pretty good album. But uh, but Pearl Jam's song was Crazy Mary. And it's... Last night, Thunder clapped uh, Mercy out of Bonner window, so dreamed I was flying high above the trees, over the hills, looked down into the house of Mary. Well, I want to be that character, but I want to dream that I'm flying high above the trees, over the hills, and I look down into all the turmoil and political bullshit that everybody's going through now and pretend like it doesn't matter to me. Uh, that would be fantastic if I could just go ahead and say, "Wee, I don't care. But unfortunately, it affects people that I know, and I have to care. Uh, and by people that I know, it means ladies. And by ladies, I mean all ladies, because fucking ladies just need to rise up and start killing dudes. This whole fucking world needs to be like an Amazon. I, let's make this seriously. Let's get a Diana Prince. Let's get a fucking, uh, who was it? Was it Connie Nielsen? Who was in that movie? Who's the other strong woman who was running the fucking island? Who was the main warrior who got whacked? It wasn't Laura Dern. It was one of those chicks though. My chicks. Great. Here, I'm going to get stabbed by a trident. Um, and I, I hope I do actually, cause that would escalate quick. uh brock was that you um so i know who was it who was the other tough woman was it it was a blonde woman it's not connie Nielsen. it's somebody else god damn it she's a roughhouser she's a tooth tripper, she's in every uh cool ass movie and she's no i don't want to i don't want to look this shit up i'm not gonna pause down who cares who are the other tough girl in wonder woman who got killed when the nazis showed up uh these fucking nazis man right They're ruining fucking Amazon Island. They're ruining America now. They're coming back and coming into Germany and Poland and everywhere else. Jesus Christ, didn't we step on these motherfuckers? Why did this happen? It's like this entire world just became a game of risk. Even though Risk doesn't have the Nazis, you can't be the Nazis in Risk. <laughs> but 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 maybe you can. You know what? If you just take over one country, you just go, we're the Nazis now. And everybody's like, fuck you, dude. I'm not playing with a board game who represents the Nazis. Uh, I'm, we're the Ukraine. And you say, Ukraine is weak. And we're not the Ukraine. We're just Ukraine, man. Take your fucking modifying article and throw it out the goddamn window. We're just fucking Ukraine. Uh, but then the faceless Nazis will swarm you over, too. Goddamn, the Nazis are coming. Nobody likes it. We've been fighting it, too. Everybody's been saying, oh, yeah, they're here. I guess they're not even coming. They're actually here. But they've always been underground and doing a bunch of bullshit. You know what I mean? They got four dogs in a trailer. They're eating canned ravioli, just biding their time, waiting for their chance. And here it comes. Once this fucking (laughs) prohibitive dick stepper gets into the fucking White House and ruins everything, they're like, now's our chance. Let's uh, let's assemble on the left flank and bring all of our guns. Uh, Make sure you tie things around your face so you don't get fired from Walmart. All right, enough of that. See, I was floating above this. I was dreaming that I was flying high above the trees, over the hills, and I wasn't going to partake in this fucking conversation. Uh, Like today, everybody went crazy over Bill Cosby, because Bill Cosby's going to jail. And I saw it, and and people were like, yeah, fuck you, rapist, yeah, woo! And I'm like, yeah, fuck him, rapist, absolutely. All the terrible fucking things that he did were awful. But it's still still awful, right? I mean, I guess you can spike the football on it and be okay with it, but at the same time, it's just... You know, this, this guy, and it, look, he was never my favorite by any means. He's not somebody I idolized or, or he just, all, but he was always a presence. He was around from, I mean, I watched the original Bill Cosby show, the who know that show. I watched the comedy specials. I listened to the albums, uh, you know, when I was a kid, fucking fat Albert and the Cosby kids was, that was a big part of my childhood. Uh, I watched I spy. We watched the reruns cause they were on late at night. Just, they'd come on after Batman sometimes like Batman would be on channel nine and then I spy would be on channel two. Um, and then of course you know he goes and then dude fucking the, the he made these movies with Sidney Poitier, Poitier called Let's Do It Again. Uh, and uh and what the what the fuck's the other one? I can't even remember. But now you yeah, you can't watch him the right way anymore. You can't. Because he's a, he's a fucking horrible fucking pig of a rapist and it's terrible. And th- and that's what I'm saying. I I he's just been a presence in my life for a very long time and I know you're supposed to invalidate him immediately when you find out he's done bad things. I'm not saying I like him. I'm not saying I, you know I he he got fucking today he got like 3 to 10 years. And uh, he should have gotten 40. He should have gotten 50 fucking years. He should have just got thrown in and they throw away the fucking key. And in a, in, a, in a better world, he wouldn't even have to fucking go to jail because he wouldn't have done these fucking things. But he did. So fuck him. But at the same time, it's not. I understand victims of his cathartically and I understand victims of sexual abuse cathartically. It's almost it's almost like, in, in my opinion, I don't speak to it because I haven't gone through it. But you'll hear a lot of African American people when uh, when an African American person is is justified or or vindicated, they take it as a celebration and a victory for their entire community. So I would imagine people who've been sexually abused saw this today as a and, and took a small a modicum of I don't want to say pleasure they satisfaction in what happened because finally, uh, not just the sexual abuser a sexual predator but a, but a high profile sexual abuser and sexual predator was found guilty of his crimes. He actually had to stand up and yet proved that money doesn't buy your way out. It, pr- it proved that eventually sometimes good will, will win out. Uh, so I, I understand people... It's a very, dude, it's a, I shouldn't have thought into this. Dreamed I was flying high above the trees, over the hills. My point is, I'm not rooting for him. Fuck him. Go to jail fucking forever. Stay in jail fucking forever. He should, they should have thrown him in jail fucking 10 years ago, 15 years ago. When these women were fucking 35 years ago, when this shit started happening and people started coming forward and nobody fucking believed it. Fuck this guy. However, it is still kind of, it's a tragedy, man. Because that was a dude who'd, who'd also, and I'm not whatabouting. He'd also done, you know, he'd given a lot of money to a lot of uh, good causes. He he'd donated money to a lot of black causes and colleges. And he, I think he spoke to a lot of black people and wanted them to go to to college and help them out. He spoke to that community uh, in a way where, and granted, he also spoke to them in a way where he was fucking scolding them all the time. He's being a jag off. And, uh, and, and he shouldn't be doing that either. But at the same time, he paved the way and he influenced a lot of uh, African-Americans to to live a certain way, to have some hope and see that they could make it. And, uh, and it's gotta be a shame to realize that your hero is, is made of fucking rice paper. I mean, that's just gotta be terrible to know that you can see through that motherfucker like, like a, like a thin fucking, (sighs) I was going to say my brain immediately goes to Neutrogena, but that's a fucking Dennis Miller bit. And I'm not doing that. Um, I don't even know why I fucking got into this. The point is, fuck him, go to jail forever. But it's still really, really fucking sad that it happened in the first fucking place. I'm not saying it's sad that he's going to jail. Please don't mix that up. I'm not saying it's sad that, uh, you know, it, but it's... But overall, the whole fucking thing is sad. It's like war. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm glad we stomped out the fucking Nazis and bad people died, but there were a lot of people in fighting on that side who got drafted in, just like people here in America got drafted in, you know, in Vietnam, when we sent fucking soldiers, what the fuck am I talking about? Holy shit. Shut up. Jesus Christ, man. You're Canadian. None of this matters to you. Now get out gracefully back up and make a beeping noise. So everybody sees that you're leaving this fucking topic. How the fuck did you wander into Vietnam? All of a sudden I was talking about Bill Cosby and then i in the jungles of Vietnam defending our vets. What a weirdo. Uh, I, but I want to finish that thought. The point is, you know, a lot of people went to Vietnam and, uh, and we were reviled in Vietnam. We're still hated, but a lot of people went because they had no fucking choice. They got drafted and they had to go. They didn't want to fight. Like Muhammad Ali said, I got no problem with that Viet Cong. I mean, yeah. And a lot of other people felt like that, but they wound up having to go and they got fucking scarred and traumatized for life. I have to think as a human being in Nazi Germany. There were people in that in that army who did not want to be there and did not believe in the Nazis, but also didn't want to wind up in a fucking camp taking the wrong kind of shower. I mean, so they had to go and do what the fuck they were told. And I'm not saying that the guys who tortured the Jews were good or they should get out of it. With, I was just following orders. Fuck them. I'm just saying if you hit in a foxhole, ah, shut up. What am I saying? So you got to keep always landing that layer If I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying this. The point is, fuck Bill Cosby. He deserved to go to, go to jail for 40 fucking years. If there's any sort of uh, karmic justice, he will live. While he's in jail, like he'll live long enough to still live out his sentence. Everybody's like, he wants to die in prison. Fuck that. I want him to, I want him to live every single excruciating minute. Cause I can't imagine there being anything worse for a rich privileged person than jail where you get told what to do, when to go to bed, what to, what to say, how to sleep. And he's 81. I mean, he's lived a life. Uh, well, I mean, he's, he's earned a life of privilege by, by making himself into a successful comedian and an actor. But, but also he, he, he fucking ruined so many lives, man. I mean, he just, he just abused women and didn't think twice about it and acted like he was entitled to do so. And he's never apologized. That's the thing. He went to fucking trial today and he's never apologized. He's never said, I was sorry for hurting those women. He's never said that he, he, he shouldn't have done that. Or he never said, Oh my gosh, I apologize. I mean, even today when he got fucking sentenced, he was, he asked if he would have to wear an ankle bracelet when he, or a check in with the court when he flew from one city to the other for an overnight visit. Like if he did a tour, Hey motherfucker, you're going to jail. Like I, you, the last thing you should be thinking about is playing the fucking uh, El, El Caliente Casino in fucking Mesquite. That's not happening. You're not going to be selling out showrooms anymore. You're going to be scrubbing fucking bedpans and trying not to get fucked. And and nobody's and again. You know my theory about that. Remember on the movie when I was like, hey, they should rape Superman. Um, there are a bunch of people who I'm sure will protect Bill Cosby in jail, but there's got to be somebody in there who's just like, yeah, fuck this old man. I'm gonna. This is this is a notch on my belt. Uh, and they don't like sex predators and stuff. I, dude, who fucking knows? Uh, jail's a bad place. Don't go. And if you don't want to go to jail, don't fucking roofie 80 chicks and then fuck them and then tell them that it's, it's their fault or whatever the fuck. Ah, uh, what a fucking horrible world, man. You know what? Uh, let's go back to a more pleasant time when we were talking about Vietnam. Anyway, I know a guy with a flamethrower and he found he came upon a jungle and there were a bunch of kids in a hut. Shut up. All right. So uh, I'm Canadian now. Again, though, this doesn't matter. Uh this isn't a boot me anymore. <laughs> I should realize that, man this isn't a boot me for fuck's sake and uh, and uh and don't kid yourself I absolutely know that i I know it in my heart, I know it in my head uh but I'm back in America now with a wobbly fucking thing on my desk and trying to talk to you guys on a, on a Tuesday uh, podcast. Uh, so I was in Canada. Let's talk a little bit about Canada. Let's talk about, sure. should we go into that? I mean, we did, a, we did like a travelogue type of show where I told you a lot about Canada last week, but I'd only gotten through a couple of days of the trip. You know, this time around, I mean, I was there for, uh, I mean, I stayed for another five days. I mean, fuck it, I'll just tell you. We went up, I did the, I did the show with you guys. Uh, I recorded on Tuesday and then recorded on Wednesday cause I almost fucked everything up. But, uh, but that's me. That's all. And then of course then there's this week. See, I almost, I, I wish Ken would come in now so he would have got here at least 15 minutes ago. So I wouldn't have started talking about Bill Cosby in Vietnam. I don't know how the fuck that happened. Um, oh, and I should tell you this. I, I started to describe an escape room for you guys last week. And, uh, in the beginning I talked about clues and you know, I talked about freeing yourself from a table and how we did that. And, uh, and, and I caught myself, thankfully on the, on the broadcast. And I said, Hey, uh, I can't tell you guys about the, the fucking escape room. I can't go into all this cause I'm just going to solve it. That's ridiculous. Uh, but you guys know that. So then the, the show airs. And I, I get uh, people, it's it, it happened intermittently the rest of the week, but the fa- my favorite one was Kendra wrote me. Kendra, who I mentioned last week, she was the one who worked at the escape room and who was there observing us through the television and wound up calling in with clues because that's what they do. And uh, and she just wrote me an email uh, the next day, a Facebook message. And uh, the, you know, the show went up on Thursday and I went out and meet, I was with Ken and my phone dinged and I looked at it and it just said, you're not supposed to tell people how to escape the escape room, ding dong. And, uh, I <laughs> just, I laughed because, uh, cause I knew I hadn't, I mean, I knew if she, the more she listened but it, she was listening in the moment there and she heard me start to describe everything. And luckily I, this, and then I wrote her back later on. I'm like, I, yeah, luckily I caught myself. And she's like, all right, good. I was glad that you didn't solve it. But, but a lot of other people wrote me too. They're like, Hey, so you're supposed to do this and do that. And I'm just like, shut up. I didn't mean to, I stopped myself. Don't worry. Uh, but I will tell you that I, I'm, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised that like, uh, you know, at least six of you are listening to the show and then stop to send me a note directly in the middle of it to apply to what the fuck I had just talked about. I like that. I kind of like that thing where we're all, I mean, it's like the live streams that I do. We're all in this together. But if you're listening to the show and you stop and you write me a note, that just, it makes me think it's like we're having a conversation, man. Uh, I'm certainly not letting you get a word in edgewise. And I, and I'm not going to ask you your opinion of Bill Cosby in Vietnam. Uh, (laughs) although, although I would imagine it's going to be a lot like my opinion. Uh, although, do you know what my opinion was since I had to backtrack nine different times because I don't want to offend anybody? What a fucking world. Um, I mean, I didn't backtrack. Nah, did I? Nah, fuck it. Fuck him and go to jail. But at the same time, it's tremendously sad. It's a sad situation. Uh, it's a sad, sad situation. And it's getting more and more absurd. There's no doubt about that. Um, so in Canada, we wound up, you know, like I said, we hung out and, uh, and and let's, you know, fuck this. I I just, uh, we went to a rage room. I'll tell you that. That's one of the things we went and did. Oh, no, for, uh, before the Rage Room, ah, I, actually, before the Rage Room, we went through threw Axes. Uh, you know, I threw Axes last time I was in town, and it was fucking amazing. And uh, our good buddy John Floor became the champion of Axes, which is very important to my good buddy John Floor. John Floor likes winning the competitions that are organized when I'm in town, or any competitions for that matter, uh, because he is he's very competitive. And But here's the thing that he does, and it's a thing that I do too. It's where you hold yourself to a standard where you're like, oh man, I should have done this or I should have done that. I should be able to get out of this escape room. I'm a smart dude. I should be able to make it happen. And then you kind of beat yourself up if you don't make it happen. Uh, So that's who he is. So when we didn't get out of the escape room, I knew it drove him fucking crazy. He's just like, yeah, fuck. I can't believe this didn't happen. He wanted to go back through the right then. And I was like, dude, no, nah, it's okay. And he's like, no, nah, man, I just, yeah, we should have done that. You know, it's just, we got, we, if we would have had this much more time, we would have done this. And I'm like, Johnny, buddy. I mean, I, <laughs> I get it because he puts himself through the ringer, but at the same time, it's like, man, we're, you know, we're going to leave now. We're going to get something to eat. It's going to be fun. Uh, but when we went to throw axes, John last year, he was, he was the champion and he was the underdog coming in. Cause Ken, Ken could throw axes. It looked like at least Ken was, you know, Ken's a cop. So he can throw something. He throws something at a perp. It's Canada, boomerang, a fucking, like I said, a syrup bottle, a hockey puck, whatever the fuck you throw at those people, a moose hoof. Uh, but John rallied, because early, he, he wasn't, you know, it didn't look like he had the form. But as, as I said, you round into shape the more you wind up doing this competition. So that's what he did. He started firing away and then wind up, uh, John winds up winning the whole axe fucking thing. So we go this time and it's me and uh, Kendra and her girlfriend, Sarah, with an H, and then uh, Ken, of course. Stephen Brogy shows up. Our boy, Stephen Brogy, he was there. He was at the escape room as well. And then, uh, our friends, Michael Woods and Scott Sarna showed up. Now I you know, Michael, I was shocked to see Michael because I knew Michael was getting married that week because he wrote me. He's like, I can't come to the show, uh, but I'll try to make something else out. And I mean, dude, the week of your wedding, there's just, that's just a bad time to go throw axes with a stranger. So I didn't anticipate seeing him, but luckily I walked, I walk in and there's Michael and Scott and that was pretty cool. Uh, so let's see. That's those guys. And then, uh, yeah, so it was And so we got, you know, we had six people We we got all lined up to fucking throw axes and it was funny. Ken walked in and he grabbed an ax and he just, he fired it and it stuck right in the board. And I was like, what the fuck? I go, what do what you, I go, did you join a league or something? And he goes, no, man, I built a thing in my backyard. I said, excuse me. He goes, yeah, after last year, it was fun. So I mean, me and my son throw them all the time in the backyard. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Basically, he didn't like losing to John Floor last year. So he's been outside. And I mean, this is Canada. All right. So it's not exactly warm. So he's out there in a parka. He's wrapped up in like a fucking Iditarod suit. And he's just throwing axes with John Floor's face in the bullseye, thinking about the time he's going to get his revenge and win the next year. So it must have been crushing for Ken that John Floor did not show up for this competition because he was hoping to dethrone him. Uh, But I saw immediately, I'm like, oh, fucking Ken. And I had done it the year before. So I knew I was going to, so everybody else was new. So we, uh, <laughs> so we go ahead and get lined up. In the first match, it's like uh, it was Sarah against Michael, and uh, and then it was Brogy against Kendra. Uh, Scott was not throwing, because Scott was a little wonky as a wonky back. And uh, so then they matched up those two, and then it turns out it's gonna be me and Ken in the first round. And I have to admit, I was holding, I was sitting in the back and I'm watching, and they said it was gonna be us in the first round, and I, I was like, all right, well, we're gonna show these motherfuckers how it's done. So. Um, you know, everybody else gets again early on. You don't have your form. You warm up certainly, but it takes a hard time, a, a long time to get your form down. Uh, but you know, but Kendra seemed to be okay, and Sarah was picking it up, and Brogy was Brogy. He was killing it. Uh, and they, you know, they scored some points. They played. You played three games head head. But then, it scores it's time for me and Ken. So me and Ken will get up there. We look at each other. We look at everybody else, kind of. And everybody's like, all right, here's a big showdown. And we actually took our axes, and this is this is what we did because we're so dumb. Everybody else is just throwing axes and going, yay, we're friends. I looked at Ken, I held up my axe, he held out his axe, and we fucking tapped blades. <laughs> like, we were, like we were in a professional axe-throwing league, The fucking an idiots. Um, and then so we, we lined up, and uh, we were head-to-head for three games. And, uh, you know, what you do is you throw five axes in the first game, five axes in the second game, five, five axes in the third. And, uh, you know, of course, winner of two out of three games moves on or whatever. Uh, if the first guy wins two games, then you, you don't have to go ahead and play the second game. If you tie in a game, then you gotta play a you know tiebreaker game. But if you go one-one and one, or or you tie all three games, then the big axe comes out and you gotta throw that. So uh we line up, we're throwing, and uh I'm ready to go, and I got the form down. And I asked the woman, we had this girl Andrea, she was a totally uh, little skinny girl, uh attractive, very nice, and she was our coach. And, uh, she kept telling me, she's like, Hey, you should take a step up, you know? And I'm like, okay. And, uh, but I was here the last time. I don't know if you guys know this. I'm an ax throwing professional, so I know exactly what to do. So I rear back and I throw it and uh, I can't get it to stick in the board. Even when I'm warming up, I can't get it to stick in the board. I'm firing it. And it's just, it's, it's, I mean, I've got good velocity. It's hitting, it's hitting in the bullseye part. It just won't stick. So you don't get any points and it keeps falling to the ground. So then it's time for me to play Ken and we get up there and, uh, we play three games. I, I don't, the first game scoreless the good news though in the first game ken scoreless so i'm like all right well this is fucking weird but uh you know because ken right when he walked into the first axe he threw went in the board i'm like "Ah, god is he taking it easy on me what the fuck second game ken scoreless the kid scoreless i i couldn't buy even a one point even even off the board i couldn't i couldn't just get it off anywhere i couldn't even even hit the target but not in the target and we go to the third round and I look at him and I go, Hey, uh, you want to trade axes? And he's like, what? I go it's "Trade axes is tradition. Let's do that. So we did, we just, we just swapped axes out and the first, uh, two throws, both of us scoreless. And then on the third throw, he gets like a three pointer and then he gets a fucking like a bullseye and I get nothing. I scored nothing in the first round. I had zero fucking points, zero fucking points. And I'm the talent. I can't fucking go to a strange foreign country and not be the talent. I don't care if that talent is talking or rage rooming or axe throwing or escape brewing or whatever the fuck. I need to run the goddamn show, baby. Uh, but I, so I sat there, I was chastened. I will not lie to you. I was, I was uh, taken aback by my lack of, cause I mean, I was, I was killing it last time we played axes, but you know what? The way it works with this thing is you show up and nobody knows how to fucking throw axes right away. But then you, as you get into it, you start to get your form. So, uh, so the six of us, like I said, are paired off. Oh, and then uh, Ken had a friend show up, and her name was uh, Stacy. Stacy showed up to throw axes, and uh, I, I, let's put it this way: I don't think even, I don't even think Casey, uh, Stacy knew how to spell axe, Quite frankly, <laughs> she was new to the whole enterprise. But on the way to the the, the thing, uh, on the way to the axe throwing extravaganza, Ken had spoken to her on a speakerphone, and I was like, "Oh, she sounds fun." And then she showed up at the uh, at the axe throwing. And, uh, I'm gonna say that she wasn't fun. I, and I'm gonna say that in a, in a very, uh, nice way. I'm gonna try to be as, uh, diplomatic as I possibly can. Although it is my show, so I'll just tell you, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't care for it. I didn't care for her. I didn't care for any of her nonsense, quite frankly. And I don't wanna get too far into this fucking bullshit, but, uh, she showed up and it's like, you don't, again, you don't know me. You don't, you've never met me. And I'm there with a bunch of people who are friends. And, uh, and she walked up, you know, and I, I tried to be nice kind of in the beginning. I was like, hi, Stacey. And I met her. And she goes, oh, you're you're uh, the comedian that Ken mentioned. And I said, yeah. And uh, she kind of made a face and then walked away, which was weird. And then she starts uh, talking to Ken, you know, because, again, she doesn't know the rest of us. So she and Ken pair off and they're talking. Ken's doing a good time because, again, it look, Ken is doing the right thing. That's your friend. She doesn't know anybody. So try to include her, but also wind up talking to her. But it looked like. You know, she went and got a beer and she sat down, but then he says, you got to throw axes. She's like, man, I don't want to throw any axes. He goes, no, you have to throw axes. If you're here, we're putting you in. She goes, I've never done this in my life, Uh, but she gets thrown into the mix. So then the next matchup is me against her. Uh, I had just come off a bruising loss to Ken, but so that's good. You got to get a layup to fucking, you know, literally it's like a, uh, (laughs) it's a slump buster is what I'm going to call it. I had to get, I had to go ahead and get Stacy as a slump buster. So that's fine. So, uh, we get out there and again, three games, five throws each game. We go for the first game and, uh, again, Stacy's awful. Like she can barely lift the ax and I'm, I wing mine and it's hitting bullseye. It's hitting the board, but then bouncing off. And I finally look at Andrea, who's our skinny little, uh, ax Sherpa. And I go, I don't understand why this is happening. Can you explain? And she literally, she makes this face. She scrunches her little face up. Cause when I say little dude, she was maybe five, one and maybe a hundred pounds uh, she had some ink and she had a pierced, she had a bunch of piercings. She had a pierced sternum, not a sternum. What the fuck is that? Septum. She had a pierced septum. She had pierced nostrils, pierced lip, pierced eyebrow. Uh, she looked like she had tripped and fallen face first into a tackle box. She looked like fucking, uh, Rosanna Arquette from, from Pulp Fiction. It wasn't that, it wasn't maybe that much. It looked like if you had a magnet, you could fuck up her whole day. So, so I, I looked at her finally, cause again, she's the coach and I, and when you're the coach of the Axe Joint, it just means you're there keeping score, Right. So I look at her and finally I go, hey, man, what is happening here? Why am I so bad? And she scrunches up her little face and she just goes, I told you to put your foot here and you won't. And I said, well, uh, well you got to be behind the line. She goes, no, you put your, you, you step to here. This is where you're supposed to be. Just put your foot here. And I went, all right. And uh, I put my foot there and I threw an ax and uh, and I buried it. I got two, a, a three-pointer. And it's stuck in the board. And I just looked at her and she made this again, her little squishy face. And she just kind of like nodded like, mm-hmm, yeah, I told you. And I was, I, again, like I said, I was all right. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't argue with the chick. She had the fucking uh, ultimate way <laughs> she put me in my place. So, uh, so the first game, uh, I went up playing against Stacy and I beat her. And I mean, I scored like 11 points. I mean, I, I, I'd land like three axes in a row. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Now we're fucking making it happen. So then we, uh, switch sides. And then uh, in the second game, I can't get another thing to stick because I'm on a different target. I'm like, maybe my foot's in the wrong place. And then you get in your own fucking head about it. Uh, and then Stacy gets one to stick. She gets one point And she beats me in the second game. And I'm like, well, now I got to thrash this chick. I, you know, I can't. Uh, this is, I'm, now I'm 1-1 with Stacy. And she looks at me and she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I, I did that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can't believe you did that either. Uh, and I'm trying to be a pleasant presence because, again, I'm there with all friends and people. And, again, I'm the talent. I'm in from out of town. So then, uh, (laughs) she, she switches sides with me and we start throwing. And I, again, I have the same problem where I can't get anything to stick. Bang, bang, bang. And finally on the fifth one in my head, I go, just fucking nail this one just because she can't get anything either. She's, she's all over the joint. She's too high. She's too low. Like literally she's spiking it into the fucking ground. She's not even coming close to the board. I'm hitting the board. (laughs) Ah, guess what? My phone is making noise and that's bad news. I hate when that happens on the show. You know, you would think that I would turn my phone off like a fucking professional, uh, but that's obviously somebody very important who has to get a hold of me because again I'm the talent. Oh, hey, oh let me check. Hold on, it's Stacy. She's actually telling me <laughs> to go ahead and tell be kind in the story. Um I can't get anything to fucking stick, so we tie. So again, when you tie at the end into axes, uh the big axe comes out with the long axe handle. And I just get just fucking all I gotta do is stick this thing in the board. That's all you gotta do. And uh I last time I did this last year, we were throwing underhand hatchets. By the time, you know, once you're warmed up after two hours now you're doing shit behind the back. You're throwing the fucking big axe from like a mile away. Last year, Ty Chidlow was a guy who showed up, and he just started whipping the big axe and dominating, and it. it was great. And there's one, Tanya Shibali, who was a, a, a listener and a friend. She was there last year, and she filmed me throw the big axe. And she actually posted it on the Joker page once, and it like it did, I buried it. It was fucking awesome. And, uh, and that was great. So they bring out the big axe, and I'm very familiar with the big axe, right? And like I said, Stacey can't even throw the fucking hatchets. So they give us the big axe, and uh, I, I again, I've, I'm very familiar with this from uh, greed. On greed, remember, I made the, uh, I, I said I was going to wait for that person to lose rather than try to win. Where I, I was going to wait that guy out on the question, I knew the answer. I could have buzzed in, but I didn't. And instead, uh, on the next question, I buzzed in and then I lost. Eh, it's a mess. Greed was terrible. So. <laughs> This time in my head, I go, fuck this. She goes, they go, who do you you want to go first? And in my head, I was like, well, make Stacy go first. She doesn't even know what the fucking axe is. I go, I said, I've done this before. I'll go first. Because now I'm like, I'm just going to put her out of her fucking misery. So I stand in the right place. I got the axe over my head and I, I whip it. And it fucking, again, it hits right near the bullseye, but it won't stick. It doesn't stick. It falls down. I'm like, God damn it so then uh she looks at Stacy she goes you ready to go she goes I have never even lifted I haven't touched this thing I don't know what you're t- I don't know how to do this so Andrea brings her to give her some coaching tells her where to stand and says you know you got to because with the big axe you kind of let it get the got to let the axe do the work you can't just fucking wing it uh and so she gets up there and she's got the big axe and it's, it's behind her head and she's kind of closing her eyes and she's looking and she's trying to get the right thing and she just reels back and lets it go. And it just, it it's like a pop-up. Like, it, it doesn't even get halfway down the way, and then it hits the fucking ground. It's, it doesn't even come close to the board. And uh, and in my head, I'm like, all right. And and I literally, I'm not choking you. In my head, I went, well, fuck this. I'm putting her out of her misery. Like, I'm winning this fucking thing right now. And I grabbed the axe, and I go to the line, and I, I even said out loud, I'm I'm just throwing this thing right through the fucking board. I don't care if it sticks in it. I don't care about points. I'm just making sure it sticks there. And, and I, I, I'm i going to fucking split this board in half. And Andrea's like, all right. Because all you got to do with the big axe, you don't have to hit it in the targets. The bullseye is five, the next ring is three, and then the outside ring is one. But with the axe, if you just get it to stick in the wood, you get a point. So uh, I got the big axe. I reel back. And, uh, and I just, in my head, I remembered. I'm like, you know what? Because you got to yes, you do. You let the ax do the the talking, but at the same time, you've got to put some velocity on it or you're dead. So sure enough, I just fucking put the big axe over my head and I fucking whipped it and boom, I stuck it hard in the goddamn board. It stuck. And I'm like, good fucking clincher. Who cares? So, uh, so Andrea goes and gets it. And then Stacy's like, Oh my God. Yeah. You weren't even going to let me win. Uh, and I said, no, I, I, come on, man, go for it. And I walk away and I'm standing behind her and I look at everybody who's watching and Andrea's giving her some advice again. And, uh, and in my head, I, I said to myself, I go, this is, this is a bad spot. Like, you, you've left yourself in a bad spot. I mean, granted, she's terrible. But who, the, who knows, man? Who knows, what, and who knows what could possibly happen? And then uh, she gets the big axe and she stands in the spot and she puts it behind her head. And I, look, I can't see her face. I don't know if she closed her eyes. I don't know if she yelped. I don't know what the fuck she did. All I know is she leaned back and she threw the axe. And uh, I saw it. I saw it in slow motion. I was behind her, so I saw it was online. And it made one full turn and then back into the half turn. And I I even closed my eyes right when it hit. It just went thunk. Uh, Now, like I told you, I stuck it into the board. And that's all you got to do. I didn't care about points. Well, uh, perhaps I should have cared about points. Although it probably wouldn't have mattered. Because uh, with the outer ring at one and the inner ring at three and the bullseye at five... Stacy put it dead center in the middle of the fucking board over her head, just threw it. And it like, it's it one and a half turns. And I mean, it, it was a perfect throw. Cause I, I, here's the thing. I didn't even think she would get the velocity behind it to stick in the board. That's what I was so confident about. Even if she was online or on target, she wasn't going to get it to stick because with the big ax, you've got to have a little oomph behind it. And she, she just fucking threw it. And I saw it from behind her. I was like, in my head, I went, Oh no, dude. And I closed my eyes and I heard it hit and I heard everybody yell. And I looked and it was dead center. She nailed it and beat me. And, uh, I just started laughing and I went up to her and I said, dude, and I gave her a high five and I said, that's how it works. I said, that's how you got to show up. You can't tell us that you didn't know how to do this. You're a, you're a ringer. And then she goes, I beat you. And I said, ah, you did. Absolutely. I said, but that was amazing. I, I can't believe you even. She goes, I can't believe I did it either. I can't. I go, it's great, right? She goes, I beat you. I totally beat you. I said, you did. It was great. You threw a, yeah. I mean, you, you know, beat me with a bullseye even. That was fantastic. You got a bullseye with a big axe. That's fucking great. And she goes, I beat you. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. Yes, you did. <laughs> you should probably m- maybe stop saying that. I mean, cause it's the thing where you're, tr- I look again, I'm laughing. We're magnanimous. We're having a good time, but, uh, she hadn't been kind up to that point anyway. She'd been kind of aloof. And then for her to keep going, I beat you, I beat you. It's, look, I, I I'm a, I'm a grown man, but inside me, there's still an 11 year old boy who wants to fucking win everything. And, uh, and I, and look, I blew it off. I was like, all right, yay. And I, and I, I just started laughing and everybody, of course, they're just busting my balls. And I'm like, um, ah, what are you going to do, man? I mean, I can't fucking, it was a, it's a fluke, but sometimes you lose on a fluke. Uh, and then, so now I've lost two games. And it's a round robin tournament, so I don't look good for the playoffs at all. So then everybody else starts throwing. Sarah's doing good. Kendra starts to pick it up. She's doing good. Ken, of course, has it. But uh, and Michael Woods, by the way, also I should tell you this. Michael Woods and Scott Sarner, that I mentioned. I, I, they were there, and uh, and Michael had perfect form. Like it was just weird. He he looked. It, Michael Woods looked like if you were to draw a person throwing axes on a cave wall. That's what what Michael Woods' form was like. It was amazing. He was so good. And uh, Oh, yeah, I mentioned that Scott had the wonky back, of course, and he couldn't throw. Uh, But I walked around and took some selfies with everybody and stuff, and and, uh, everybody else started to throw and have fun. So, like I said, Michael was really good. Ken, of course, was good because he'd built a fucking target in his backyard and practiced for a year. Uh, Sarah and and Kendra were learning. but, uh, But then the dark horse, the legendary Stephen Brogy, comes out of nowhere. And he starts to win and he starts to win by by like big margins. Like he's scoring like 15 points. He's getting bullseyes. And the best thing about it is he's, uh, if I, if I say that Michael Woods had the form that you would draw on a cave wall, Stephen Brogy had the form of a guy who learned how to throw axes while chasing somebody in the woods. I I mean, he just, he had, his arms were akimbo. He he went, you know, he had good form over his head. Like, you know, you got to go over your head with two hands. But then, as he would, on his approach, he would drop his left hand and just fucking fling it kind of sideways with his right arm, and it stuck every goddamn time. Thunk, thunk, thunk. To the point where we're behind him, and every time he gets up there, we're going, Come on, Brogi! Come on, Brogi! And and he would do it, and I said to him, I go, Brogi, you need a war cry, goddammit. You need a war cry! Because the way he was throwing, it looked like, like I said, it looked like he was trying to subdue an attacker. He would just come flying over, all arms and fucking nowhere, and then thunk, thunk, thunk. And, uh, and so then he started, I'm going to do this and I apologize. I'm warning you, but I'm going to back way up from the microphone. So then whenever he would start to release, I go, Brogy you need a war cry. And then he wouldn't do a war cry because again, he's concentrating. And also he's a human being. He doesn't want to do a fucking war cry in a crowded building, but I'm, I have no such con, con-, con- So, uh, so sure enough, he'd go to throw and right when he get to the apex of the delivery, I go Aah! like this, like ridiculous war cry. And I, and I would yell it every time he would do. It. He would do it, and it would stick. You know, he wasn't thrown, uh, but he starts to just clean house, man. I, and and it was gorgeous. It was fun to watch. Because again, Stephen Brogi. Let's talk about Stephen. He's a listener and uh, good guy. I had met him last year, and I will say this is my impression of Stephen Brogi. He seems like a man who might be, uh, you know, a little shy. Uh, and also, compared to me, everybody's shy. Of course, I'm there, I'm talking everybody, I'm doing the best I can. And Steven, you know, he's a nice person, and when you talk to him, he talks, but he's not exactly, you know, he's not gregariously jumping into the conversation. He's a, you know what he is? He's a normal person. How about that? Let's put it that way. Because <laughs> there are, there, he, if he's in the conversation and in the flow of the conversation, he's fine. But he's not gonna jump in and make a spectacle of himself, is my point, as opposed to me, who's doing a war cry in Canada and a building I've only been in for the second time in my life. Uh, so Stephen, it, Every with every single axe throw, you could see his confidence grow and you see him came out of come out of his shell. He just came, he was emerging. He, he was no longer Stephen Brogy. He was Chief Brogy. He was warrior brogy. He was he was the last of the Brogheakens. That's what he was, for fuck's sake. He was just he was getting it done and not even thinking twice. It was fantastic. So we go through, we get to the playoffs, and uh I'm not in the playoffs again. Only four people can make the playoffs. Guess who doesn't make the playoffs? Me and uh, Stacy, of course, because Stacy never got another fucking axe to stick in the board after she killed me. She threw the big axe, and I even told her because I will say this: she stayed in the pl- in, you know to play like two more games. And I, uh, when they called her to play, she's just like, "I have to play again." And I go, "You know what? If I was you, I would never play again." I said literally, I would I would never throw another axe the rest of my life. You threw a big axe, bullseye. That should be your final statement. You dropped the mic on this this competition for the rest of your life. Um, and we laughed, but she you know she wanted to participate and play and stuff. And she but she lost. She never got another one to stick. Never got another one to stick. And I every time I saw it, I was just like, duh. Um, I played. I to up winning one game. Uh, who did I beat? I think I beat Kendra, and then or I might have thrashed Sarah. I don't know. I beat one of those two. I might have beat them both. I might have beat the whole Kendra and Sarah extravaganza, the whole, all of them, both of them, bring them all on. Uh, but it was fantastic and fun. And then we get to the playoffs. And, of course, it's Steven Brogy who makes the playoffs, Ken who makes the playoffs, Michael Woods, he of the perfect form, who makes the playoffs, and Sarah with an H who makes the playoffs. And in the first round, uh, you know, they got a It's one versus four and two versus three. The number one seed was our uh, our good friend Ken, and he had to take on number four, Steven Brogy. And the number two seed was Michael Woods, and he has to take on Sarah with an H. So uh, they make him go right away, and Ken and Steven get up to the line. And uh, like I said, Ken's good. He's got one in his yard. He knows what he's doing. But uh, but he was no match for the Brogy steamroller. Brogy's coming over, and just I'm busting out war cries, and he's sticking it constantly. And Ken... Ken's a cop and Ken's, you know, a, a guy, he's a man. And you could see that he was, uh, even he was a little thrown by it. You know, He's just going, uh, is this guy ever going to miss? Cause he wasn't going to miss. And we kept yelling at him. We're like, bro, look at you. You look like a serial killer. Like we, we, you know what we called the night. We said the night was his origin story. Like there were going to be stories now all over fucking Kitchener and everywhere else about them finding just body parts and axes, and and fucking hands and fingers and and nobody would suspect Brogy except us because we all we all saw his origin story. It was like, dude, I was like, dude, you're Bruce Willis and Unbreakable, and this is your train crash. This is fucking it. And but we didn't have to kill your parents to do it for fuck's sake. Um, he pounds Ken into the ground. Like, I mean, he just he he beats him in the first two games. They play the third game for fun, and uh, and Ken loses. Then Michael Woods has to go against Sarah. And of course, Michael Woods just got out there and just fucking walks like an Egyptian. Perfect knee placement. Perfect foot placement. And even Andrea is just taking notes. She's the coach. And she's even going, ah, this guy. This is a guy who's perfect. And uh, so Michael Woods de- dispatches Sarah with a plume, And uh, and then uh, at the end, it's a brogie. And Michael Woods, it's it's chaos versus stability. It's corporate versus uh, wild man. It It is... It is a again perfect form against a guy who's coming out of his shell and learning who he is as a guy, as a person, and uh, and let me tell you something. Normally, you would think that subdued and and uh, slow and steady wins the race. No, fuck that. No, the the tortoise was trounced as Brogy the Hare fucking just dominates thunk thunk thunk, and Stephen Brogy winds up walking away with the X championship, and uh, and it was it was beautiful, it was gorgeous, and then at the end we took photos, and then he you know Stephen. I'm getting a re- again I'm giving a, my read on Steven. He's a guy who doesn't mind melting into the background. He's a guy who's just like, "Hey, I'm happy to be here. This is fun and we're having a good time." Uh, we started they said we got to take pictures with everybody. I go, "Brogy, you're in front." And he's just like, "I, well, I don't." And I go, "No, no, dude, fuck no. You're in front. And you got to hold two axes." I go, "Here, take these." And I <laughs> we gave him like the big axe and another axe. We're just like, "You got to hold this shit, man, cuz you're in the front and you you dominated. You won." Um and then they took pictures. I was like, you know, looking like badasses, then doing war cries and stuff. And they're up now at Battle Axe. I, I, they've shared some of them into the Joker page. I know that. But, uh, but God damn, it was fun as hell. It was so great. And because uh, I said last year, John Floor, uh, who, who could not make it this year, last year, John Floor was the champion. So now next year, when I go back to Toronto, I mean, we got to get John and Steven in the room. Uh, just to see, well, if Steven's not in jail for having ax murdered people all over the fucking province, I have no idea how that's going to work. Uh, but I know John floor is probably practicing with axes and everything else because that's how John is. When we lost in the escape room the previous day, uh, John kept mentioning, we should go to another escape room. We should go to another escape room. Even when we went to the blue Jays game a couple days later, he texted and he's like, Hey, there's an escape room right by there. If we want to go in and check that out. Uh, and, and Ken looks at me and he goes, is he serious? I go, oh, he's absolutely serious. You know, John, He doesn't want want to take a fucking L. I mean, he's, he's like, he's one of those dudes who loses and immediately goes, all right, I'm going to get better. And he wants to just tackle it again in fucking five minutes. He wanted to go through the room again that day. Um... So if we can possibly, well, because that's so when I literally, when I go back for John Flora's revenge tour next year, that's what it's going to be. John wants to win the escape room. John and Brogy are going to have to go head to head in the axes. It's going to be amazing. Uh, so after that, we go out, we split, everybody says goodbyes. And we, we had a thing planned. We were going go to see, um, we were talking about dinner, but it just wasn't enough time because the, the axes lasted long. So we were meeting John, Ken and I were meeting John to go watch Predator, uh, the movie Predator at the movie theater. And, uh, and John had asked Stacy if she wanted to go. So we go outside and Michael Woods is there and I'm talking to Michael and Scott. And Michael was getting married that weekend. I gave him a big hug. I told him congratulations. He said he probably wouldn't make the show. I said, yeah, I totally get it, dude. I mean, it's, I can't even believe he came out for this during your wedding week. That's the craziest fucking time. Uh, but it was nice. It was so great to see Michael. And, uh, and he actually texted me. It's funny. I got to town and he texted me. He's like, Mr. Schmidt, I hope you had a fantastic trip. And I'm looking forward to possibly seeing you at some point this week. But I'm getting married this weekend. But it came from a number. I don't have a name. It was like five one two, and I'm like, "Hey, the trip was great. Thanks. I'm glad." And oh, by the way, who is this? I have no idea who this might be. And then he wrote back who it was. I'm uh, now he's he's you know comfortably ensconced in my phone, which makes me happy. Um, but then we go outside, and Scott and Michael and me and Ken and Stacy are out there. And uh, Stacy sits down on a wall, and uh, I'm like, "All right, what are we doing? Are we going go to the movie?" And Michael's like, "No, I'm talking to him. I'm talking to Scott, saying goodbye to them." And uh, Stacy looks over, and she goes, uh, "You know, you haven't made me laugh once yet." And uh, I, I said, excuse me? She goes, you haven't made me laugh once. If you're supposed to be in town to, to make people laugh, you're, you're doing a bad job of it. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I said, it's early. We got a whole week left. And I started to talk to Scott and Michael again. And I, and, but I, I looked at Ken like, "You gotta, are you fucking kidding me with this? Uh, um, because I've met that person. I've had that happen to me many times, you know, you go on the road, you meet somebody and that's why I don't tell anybody I'm a fucking comedian. Cause half the time they're like, tell me a story, tell me a joke, be funny. And, and you're just like, it's not like, it's not how it works. You know what I mean? And, and so I'm talking to Scott, I said goodbye to him and he and Michael, uh, I give Michael a hug. They go to split. And then she looks and she goes, you know, seriously, you haven't made me laugh. I mean, I don't, you know, cause we, she goes, how am I supposed to go to this movie if you haven't made me laugh yet? And I said, uh, you know what? I don't care. I don't fucking care that I've made you laugh. And she goes, really? And I go, yeah, really. It's not my job. I go, you know what? Actually, if you want to pay me, I'll be happy to make you laugh. She goes, oh, I got to pay you now? I said, yeah, if you're going to sit here and call a shot and you want me to make you laugh, then by all means, pay me and I'll fucking turn it on. And uh, the thing is, I have, no, I have no patience for that with somebody, especially with somebody I don't know. I don't know this person. I don't, but but she's a ball buster. Okay. And, uh, you know, I I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't ready to get my balls busted by a stranger. If Ken is doing it and everybody else, I'm having fun. And I know those people. And if you if you know what, if Stacey had come out the year before and, and we met and we were friendly, that would be fine. But this is the first night I'm seeing you, man. And and uh, and uh, she goes, well, it's okay. I beat you anyway in there. So I guess you don't need to make me laugh. I already beat you once tonight. And I, I'm like, yep, you won. And I looked at Ken and I'm just like, yeah. And Ken's like, eh, relax. So we're going to go to Predator. And meet John, and he asks Stacy if she's going to go, and she's like, "Well, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure." And it was this whole trip of like, she really, she wanted to be really asked, you know. What, does that? Uh, I can't even. I don't want to get too deep in the psychosis of it, but you could tell that what she wanted was for us to go. Please go, please go. Um She, she, it, it's just, I, I, it's a, it's a way to make yourself important. And, and, uh, she didn't need to do that. You know, it, just, it was just weird. I mean, just, just fucking be fun and say, you'll go or you don't go or whatever, but well, I don't know if I want to go, you know what? You should go see another movie. There's a different movie that you would like that we should probably go see. Let's see, you see this instead. Let's see peppermint instead. And, and I'm just like, I'm just gritting my teeth. Like, who the fuck are you to call shots? We, we, we have plans. We know what we're doing, but I don't say anything. And and I'm trying to be better at that. I don't want to get upset. I don't want to be a guy who's just like, no, fuck you, man. We're going to this. Even though that's partially who I am as a dude is I just wanted to go, Hey, fuck you, man. We're going to this. Um, but instead I backed off, you know, and, and, then, uh, she's like, well, I'm going to leave, you know, I'll start driving toward there and I'll tell, I'll text you guys to let you know if I'm going to show up. And, uh, and, and so Ken, you know, we get there to the, to the theater, Ken buys the tickets and, uh, we go upstairs We meet John. He's up there. And then of course she's not coming. She texts that she's not going to show up. And I think Ken, I think Ken actually bought her a ticket. And it was, and he wasn't fucking around. We sat, we went to see Predator in this fucking theater that had rumble seats. You know what those are? Uh, they had the fancy seats where like a waitress comes and brings you food. Which uh, you know, I who cares? I'm, I don't, I don't need maple glazed pork chops while I watch the Predator kill people. I mean, that's a fun idea. We have those theaters here in L. A. And I still haven't gone to one yet. I know Pat Francis goes to it a couple of times. But where you sit down and then waiters come in. I, dude, i want to watch a fucking movie. I don't, I don't want to see waiters. And I especially, because here's the deal. Like I, I'm not gonna. I know I'm not going to order food. There's a, there's a novelty to it, but I mean, I'm not going to order any food. However, I know the people around me will order food because that's the whole, uh, you know, draw of the theater and that makes sense. But I don't want to be there when they're bitching about the fact that their club soda is flat or their potatoes are cold. I mean, fuck, I'm, again, I'm trying to watch a goddamn movie. I don't need to hear about your green beans, motherfucker. So I got no interest in those seats, but uh, but Ken didn't even ask. He just bought, he bought the rumble seats, which are like a level below. And what it is is you sit in them and they move. There used to be this thing when I was a kid. There was a movie called Earthquake in 1974, I believe. And it came out and they said it was in Sense Around. And what that meant was the seats moved and vibrated. Well, they've updated that now. Like they brought 3D back. They brought Sense Around back, but it's a rumble seat. And you sit in it and the whole fucking thing, you know, it's that technology. If you go to Star, uh, Happy Day or Happy Days, fucking Disney. Why the, the fuck? Oh, because Happy, Happiest Place on Earth. That's where my brain went. Jesus Christ. If you go to Disney, they have Star Wars, Star Tours. And if you sit in that fucking thing, you know, that that seat sinks and stuff sprays in your face and it moves around. I mean, the whole seat is the key to your experience. And that's what the rumble seat is. It's basically a seat from Star Tours or The Simpsons ride, but in a movie theater. So when a helicopter comes choppering in, your seat kind of vibrates because you're, it's like you're in a, a helicopter. Or if there's a car crash, your seat shakes, you know, that sort of thing. So we go in, we sit in the rumble seats. And uh, and uh, this was interesting, too. We, we, we went and sat down. It's me, John, and Ken. And we bought seats all next to one another. And they were all lit up. And then when we sat down... For, um, first of all, I should tell you this. This is my first time in a real theater in a very long time. I usually go to the Arclight. And the Arclight has no commercials. It has three or four trailers. And then a movie plays. That's it. That's, it's, just, it's the perfect experience. Uh, this thing... I Again, this was the first time... Last time I was in a movie theater like this was in Kuwait. And they just... You are bamboozled. I mean, you are fucking bombarded and crushed and smashed by by commercials for a bank, for for food, for Coke, for, I mean, and the same commercials over and over. And then these vignettes, like they showed, this is the thing they showed. There's a movie out, I think, called A Simple Favor or A Simple Plan. I don't know. No, A Simple Plan is Billy Bob Thornton. A Simple Favor, I think it's called. And it's Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. And I really want to see it. It looks good. And by it looks good, I mean, I've heard some buzz, uh, some, uh, buzz about it. I have not watched a trailer. I don't know a fucking thing. I don't want to know anything about it. But sure enough, they run a five-minute vignette about A Simple Favor. And I covered my eyes and ears, and I fucking hummed. I'm not joking. I kept peeking to see if the, the words A Simple Favor were still at the bottom of the screen. And I'm like, and my ears were covered. And John looked at me, and he's, he, I could tell he's just like, what the fuck are you doing? I go, I want to see this movie. I don't want to know anything about it. Um but they did that. They did it for some movie called Assassination Nation or I don't fucking know. Whatever. They kept having these vignettes, these behind the scenes. Then they got a guy and he goes fishing and he's, he's talking about eating snow caps in a kayak or whatever. I mean, dude, fuck. Just get the movie on. Nobody gives a flying fuck. Nobody and nobody has anybody ever changed banks because they saw the fucking ad before a movie at a movie theater. I hope not. I hope nobody's like, holy shit. You know, I've had a pretty good time over there at that credit union, but these guys, they know where to find me. They they know where I live. So you switch all your money out. Fuck that. And why are banks advertising anyway? Jesus fucking Christ. You're just, you're just a money barn. That's all you are. But I guess they get interest on in whatever they store. Who fucking knows? I don't know how banks work. Who am I fucking a grown up? Uh, so, so sure enough, we sit in the rumble seats, and th- I'm not joking. Fucking forty minutes goes by of trailers and vignettes and bullshit. And uh, there's a trailer. Uh, here's the conceit for the. There's a thing called Bad Times at the El Royale, which is John Hamm, Jeff Bridges, the chick from Fifty Shades, and uh, and a bunch of other people in this movie. They showed eight different trailers for it because they kept showing all these like 15 second vignettes. And then they showed the two minute trailer, but they spaced them out amidst everything else. And, uh, and it made no fucking sense. And it also showed way too much of the goddamn movie because now I'm not going to uh, spoiler alert you, but whatever the fuck God cares. We're, so we're watching that. And it finally ends and they're ready to start the movie. And when the, when the rumbling starts, like the credits start and the rumbling starts. And I noticed John moved away to sit. He didn't sit, want to sit in the middle because Ken took a seat. I took a seat and there was a middle seat left. And John, he, you know, he didn't want to sit between us and I don't blame him. So he moves about three seats down. So right when the movie starts, I, my tiny brain makes this and solves a puzzle and goes, Hey, I look at John. I go, is your seat moving? And he goes, no. And I go, it's because these are lit up. That's why the numbers were lit up when we should, because I thought it was this thing where just to show what seats were sold, but no, it was what, what rumble seats were activated. So sure enough, John gets up and he sits in the rumble seat next to me and, uh, and the predator starts and it goes on about five minutes. And I see out of the corner of my eye, Ken gets up and bails. He just leaves. And I'm like, all right, I hope he's okay. And then I never see him come back. I watched the entire Predator movie. I never see him come back. I peeked down at one point. He's not even there. Like, he's not in his seat. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And it, here's how selfish I am. This guy bought my ticket. And I'm staying at his house. And I see that he's not in a the theater. And in my head, I'm just like, oh, I'm sure he'll come back. <laughs> and I just watched the rest of the movie. I could have gone to look for him. He could be, you know, he could be outside throwing up. Maybe he got a text from Stacy to meet her in the lobby. I don't fucking know what's going on. So in my brain... I thought, this is odd, and I should probably go look for him, but at the same time, I, I, he's a cop. He's fine. He'll be okay. Maybe he got a call. Maybe he's tackling a perp. Maybe there's a perp walk going on right now outside past the fucking nonpareils, out there past the Sour Patch Kids, and I don't know anything about it. Uh, and I don't want to get involved. So I didn't bring my gun to the theater. You know me. I'd like to leave my, th- I my theater experience gun-free. So Ken bails, and then the movie starts. And here's where I'm going to tell you there's a spoiler alert, folks, because I'm going to talk a little bit about the Predator movie. Uh, I, I don't, uh, it was one of those movies that like, you know, when we talked about going, cause I, I, wanted to go here in LA and I, I actually won tickets. This is the weirdest thing ever. I, I, you know, John, uh, Ken was like, Hey man, Predator opens. Don't fucking see it. And I'm like, all right, we'll go to that. That'll be awesome. And a month prior I had entered a contest with like Collider magazine or collider.com to win tickets to a screening of the Predator. Well, I get an email and it says, Hey man, you've won tickets to the Predator. And it's a Q&A with Shane, and Black, Shane Black afterwards. And I, you know, again, I'm going to see The Predator in Toronto, so I don't really care about the movie. But to be in the fucking room with Shane Black and do a Q&A with him, that's fucking fantastic. I'm totally on board with that. So it was a Thursday. The Thursday before I left for Toronto, I contact Pat. I'm like, hey, man, you want to go to this? And he goes, oh, I'd love to, but I'm playing poker with my friends and helping a buddy of mine move a dresser that day. Now, uh, I was supposed to play poker with him and his friends, because they're our friends. And also, guess who he was helping move the dresser? Me. ha <laughs> ha and so I was properly admonished and I said, look, I get that. But I mean, dude, Shane Black's going to be in the room. It's a Q and A. He goes, yeah, I, I can't, I can't make it. He goes, uh, you know, they actually kind of changed the game schedule for me this month. And I said, ah, fuck. So I never confirmed and I was waiting to go. And I knew I was going to see it in Toronto. And then I'm like, well, we well, do it. Do I see it here? And then tell the guys in Toronto, I didn't see it, you know, or do we take it off the agenda? Cause they all wanted to go. And then, uh, thankfully the day before the screening, uh, or two days before the screenings, I was supposed to see it on Thursday and then Tuesday night, I get an email and, uh, it said, Hey, uh, the Q and a Shane black has been unfortunately canceled, but we've still got the IMAX screening of the predator for you. And I'm like, so long crabby, not happening for me. So long, Preddy. I don't need to see you and your predator bullshit. I'm going to go see it with my friends in Toronto. And also I knew why Shane Black was canceling the Q and a, because if you didn't follow the predator movie story, uh, Shane Black cast a sex offender in the movie who was in a scene with Olivia Munn. He didn't tell her that he was a sex offender. And then she found out about it and she said, Hey, I want that fucking scene out of the movie. And he took it out. And then Olivia Munn went on a press tour and she's like, yeah, there's a sex offender in this movie. They cut him out. I was pissed. They didn't tell me. And then Shane Black issued an apology, not personally, but he issued one via a press release. And Olivia Munn goes, uh, I don't accept this apology. He didn't give it to me. He put me in an awkward spot, a spot that I never would have conceded, uh, conceded to or or, or consented to. And so uh, I'm out. I'm doing this because I'm I'm contractually obligated. Yeah, I can't even fucking talk contractually obligated to do this press tour. Uh, And because of that, I'm here. And by the way, she's doing all that shit while the other actors are sitting next to her like with their heads in their hands, just like, oh oh, man, we got to deal with this bullshit now. Uh, But in reality, you know, it's fucking Shane Black's fault. Don't be casting a fucking sex predator in your goddamn movie and then making him do a scene with the fucking star of the the woman star of the film. Uh, So so the point is I came in clean in Toronto. I'm excited to see it. And the predator starts and look, I'm not going to totally spoil this movie, but what I'm going to tell you is that the predator story is just like the Terminator story for me. It makes no sense. If you think, if you think about it for 30 seconds, it makes no sense. Uh, the Predators, they come to Earth, you know, in the, in the previous movies. There's, I think there's nine other Predator movies. There's just there's like a six-pack of them, for fuck's sake. But the first one's the only one I want to talk about. That's the good one. That's the one we'll deal with. It's Because it's Schwarzenegger. It's Carl Weathers. It's Jesse the Body Ventura. It's that guy who was an Indian in every movie back in the 80s when they, they could kind of pass him off as one. Um, and then Shane Black also stars in the first Predator. He wrote it, but he's also one of the guys in fucking Schwarzenegger's crew. And they wind up fighting the Predator in the jungle And, uh, there's a bunch of crazy shit that happens and it's, you know, it's just, it's a stupid movie, but it's, it's macho manly tough guy nonsense. And, you know, in the eighties, I'm all, I'm, I'm all about that. That was fucking cool. Let's see Schwarzenegger flex. Let's see him fight a predator. Let's see all this bullshit happen. Carl Weathers is huge. Let's see Jesse Ventura say he ain't got time to bleed. Let's just fucking check out all this stuff, man. I'm on board. Uh, but in reality, so that's when the predator came to earth. He came to earth to hunt. And when you find out in subsequent stories, what the predators do is they go to every planet and they hunt their biggest, uh, their toughest guys. And they take their skull and their spine as a trophy. And then they go uh, back into space because that's all they are. They're intergalactic, interplanetary hunters. So I guess in the subsequent predators, they, uh, I saw predator two and that's, that's awful. It's Danny Glover. Just just hyperventilating his way, huffing and puffing and just not breathing. He's out of shape and he's got to fight a predator and he winds up on a ship and then it turns out they have, like the coolest thing of that movie is the alien skull is on there from the movie Aliens. So you, they went to that. It's like they went to the Xenomorph planet and they, they beat them and took their skull. And you're like, all right, that's cool. I, I get that. That's fucking sweet. Um, but the, so that's the deal. The Predator's intergalactic hunter. Well, in this movie... Uh, you know, it starts out where there's, there's, you're in the jungles of Latin America and there's a drug team. And then there's a fucking bounty hunter guy. It looks like, I don't know if he's with the military or not. And he's in camouflage, but he's a sniper and he's ready to kill a guy. And then the predator crashes and the predator leaps out of his ship. And then he's, he's fucking invisible. Nobody can see him. And he kills like eight dudes. He guts them. Like he fucking hangs a guy from a tree and his guts are falling out. He just kills a bunch of dudes. And, uh, and it's perfect. It's beautiful. It's what, that's what the predator does. But then as the story unfolds, it turns out that this predator who came to Earth, and again, this is where the spoiler gets into it, and I apologize, I'm going to spoil this. Um, I'll give you time to run away, and I'll tell you what, I will only talk about this. I can't say that. Who the fuck knows how long I'm going to talk about this. The point is the movie makes no fucking sense. Because again, if you think about it for five minutes, why did the predator come back to Earth? But then you find out later there's a reason the predator came back to Earth. This predator came back to Earth to warn us that the other predators were going to try to take our planet away from us. And, and so this actually alleviated my concerns because I was like, well, they already defeated a human. They took his skull and his spine or they were already defeated by us. Why would they come back? Uh, they came back because it's one predator, rogue predator. And it turns out that the predators are stealing all of the best DNA from all over the planets in the galaxy to make themselves impervious to whatever the fuck. And they came here because global warming again, brace yourselves, global warming is going to wipe us out. So the, uh, the predators want to go ahead and use some of our DNA so they can breathe our air and live on our planet. Once global warming wipes us out. Um, and, and so it's up to this ragtag bunch of misfits. And I, I don't even say that as a joke. Literally, it's a bunch of dudes who are on their way to a military prison and they all got fucking tough guy names. Like I'm Nebraska Williams. I'm, I'm, you know, cocky McCockfuck. You know what I mean? It's, it's, that's who these dudes are and they tell dumb jokes and they talk about pussy and it's, 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 it's a very man movie. It's a very dude movie, but, but also it's dumb. It's dumb as hell. In the beginning of the movie there's an autistic kid, or Asperger's kid, or whatever the fuck. He's on the spectrum. He's all he's a, you know, he's a fucking shaky head. So he he's in a fucking classroom and then a fire alarm goes off and he covers his ears because he doesn't like loud noises. He's like ah ah and then these bullies come in and they make fun of him and then they knock all the chess pieces off of 10 boards because the other kids have run out for the fire drill. So aspie gets up and he's like fuck. That's, that was that sucked. And then he takes all of the chess pieces off the ground and he he puts them all back on the board in exactly the same places they were before those kids knocked them down. So now you know he's something special. But I'll tell you this, for a kid who was bothered by a fire alarm, he sure didn't mind the uh, fucking nine military firefights he got into later in the goddamn movie. I mean, there's fucking rocket fucking shoulder cannons and, and machine guns. He himself kills somebody. That's not a joke. The little kid, the, for a joke, he goes out trick-or-treating. Some guy makes fun of him, and he he gets mad, and the, the fucking predator technology that he has uh, senses that he wants to attack that guy, so it kills a guy on his own balcony, blows him to bits. And uh, and it's played for a laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Can you believe Aspie just killed a fucking guy? And then the bullies, of course, see it, and they're like, whoa, and they run away because he flinches at them. But this predator who came to save us, like I said, he's come to warn us about what's going on with the predators, right? That they're going to come and steal our planet away. Um, but the first thing he does is he kills eight dudes. Like what the, what the fuck are you doing? Why wouldn't you white flag it? Why wouldn't you just like show up in DC? I understand you crash landed because you get again, his ship all fucked up, but at least come out and, and invisible and try and try to talk to somebody white flag, anything, draw a map in the, in the dirt and just go, I come in peace. I don't shoot me. Whatever the fuck. Instead, he just immediately starts killing guys. So of course they think you're the fucking enemy uh so it turns out that he's injured they wind up getting him and it turns out the government has previous predator technology they come to get olivia munn by the way olivia munn in case, here's how you, here's how olivia munn gets involved brace yourselves she's walking her dog and the government pulls up and goes you're coming with us ma'am and she's like what and she goes uh and they they say something about we've made contact so she just kind of nods grimly and she gets in the van And, uh, she gets taken to a super secret base where they've got the predator on lockdown and she has to take off all of her clothes and get a fucking like a chemical bath. So she doesn't infect anybody. But of course you don't see anything. They they tease you. They're like, you remove all your clothes. And then she does, but nobody sees anything. Uh, but in, while she's getting her clothes off, she tells the story of how she's come to be involved in the predator. When she was six years old, she wrote a letter to the white house and she said, Hey, basically it was like, Hey, if you guys ever find any aliens, you should give me a call. And, uh, and now then she got older and she became a, like a hybrid DNA specialist. One of the top molecular biologists or whatever the fuck in the country. And, uh, so when the predator comes to town, apparently they go, Hey, let's look at our file of letters from six year olds and see if any of them know anything about aliens. And they find hers and they go and they grab her and her dog out of a fucking city park. And that's not even a joke. That's how she gets involved. Uh, so she's there, and then the sniper dude who fucking steals the predator's helmet and then send it to his aspie kid and then then there's a fight and, and again it's always it's always these things that happen. like you can't ever watch these movies and go, oh man, that would never happen because again, you're just watching a movie about a fucking monster from space who who's indestructible and and you can't say, well, then that wouldn't happen, that wouldn't happen because you're just invalidating the entire premise. but there aren't things even within the premise that you can invalidate. This predator comes to town He kills like eight dudes. They get him. He's super strong. He kills a lab full of dudes. And, uh, and then a super predator comes looking for him. And that's not even a joke. A gigantic, super tall monster predator comes looking for him. And, uh, and they, they wind up having a predator fight in a middle school. And also that predator brings predator dogs and they're, they're hunting the guy. And they, they're like the Hulk dogs, dudes. And I know, I know you're like, Mike, you're making this sound worse than it is, but trust me, see it. When you see it, you'll be like, yeah, no, this is a, this is fucking atrocious. And it's filled with that kind of dialogue. Like, it, it, there's one guy, like, there's a guy with Tourette's. It's Thomas Jane. And he, he he looks at Olivia Munn once and he goes, Eat my pussy. Or eat your pussy. And she goes, You just said eat my pussy. And he goes, I didn't. I said, Geez, you're pushy. And then they have a big argument. Like, eight people are like, No, he didn't say that. He wouldn't say that. And she says, No, I heard it. I distinctly heard you say it. And I guess it's just to make Olivia Munn say, Eat my pussy over and over. I, it's the only thing I could think of so you can get a fucking sample for, <laughs> on the internet. Uh, but they're trying to be funny. They're trying to play it for laughs. These guys, you know, because they're. They they snack on danger and they dine on death. They're the legion of doom of fucking ragtag military dudes, and they're gonna fuck up this predator. So and then like they they're in a bus and then the bus turns over and look, like, I won't give it away. There's two nods to the original Predator that are that are that are silly. But you hear them and you go, oh, cool. I got what they were trying to do there. And I won't give those away. I'm just going to give away the rest of the movie and the plot and the ending. <laughs> I won't give away the ending, I promise. But, you know, there's a bunch of fights. They're in a bus that rolls over. And then all of a sudden they find a Winnebago filled with military weapons. It's like that kind of dumb shit. Like at one point, they, the, good, you know, the bad guys get away and they're on a farm. They're like, fuck, what are we going to do? And then two of these guys, the ragtags, show up with a fucking helicopter. They stole it from a local television station. Hop in. And they get in, they all fit in the helicopter and they fly off. I mean, again, they always, nobody runs out of bullets, endless bullets and clips, uh, all the ammunition you could possibly want. It, it's just, I mean, And look, there's some stuff there. There's some stuff that's funny. Like it's one of those movies. If you watched it on cable at one in the morning with a pizza, you'd be like, all right, I'm on board and you and your friends would just make fun of it. But if you paid 25 bucks a head to sit in rumble seats, you got to be like, ah, God damn it. I'm furious at this movie. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of people don't go to movies so much anymore because they're like, Jesus, what if you pay 18 bucks and the movie blows? That's terrible. Um, so we, but we watched it, man. And I'm with Johnny floor. And there, there were a couple of things that, that, you know, there were a couple of parts that really made me laugh out loud. And one part made me cheer. Uh, but then, you know, cause I gave myself over to it. I go, you know what? I'm not going to hate this. I mean, it's silly and dumb, but I'm going to, I'm just going to fucking marinate in it. And, uh, but also say, so I didn't even tell you this part. So again, the super predator comes to, and he starts fighting the regular predator and, uh he actually fucking picks him up by his fucking Predator dreads and he slams him into a car, smashing the car flat. Then he stands over him and he punches a hole right through the fucking original Predator's face. Just smashes it so that fucking neon green blood goes everywhere. Punches a hole right through his face. I mean, he's just a devastating killing machine, a monster. Because again, we had trouble with the Predator. But when Super Predator shows up, we don't have a fucking chance against this guy, right? Well, you would think so, correct? However, this predator who body-slammed another predator, super predator who body-slammed another predator through a car and then punched a hole through his face, when he fights the humans, he uh, he kind of like comes up to him and he's like, eh, eh, and he shoves them down. <laughs> he, he gives them a mean look and he pushes them away. And... Uh, I mean, he should be ripping off their fucking skulls. He should be eating their fucking entrails. I mean, he shouldn't be fucking around at all. The whole point is, and again, they're shooting him, certainly, and some of them have predator technology, whatever the fuck. And, uh, and he's, he's got a whole plan in place that he's trying to execute, and they're all there trying to keep him from doing it. And then at one point, again, it's... The, 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 all right, I, just, I have to tell you this. There's a spaceship... And, uh, it, it, t- it starts to take off three guys, jump onto the top of the spaceship. And I'm like, if they say, if this guy goes into space with these dudes on the ship, fuck you. But it turns out they find a clever way to kind of get them off of the ship, but this ship takes off. All right. And there's, cause it's Olivia Munn and the human, the three dudes, and then the ship takes off. The three dudes jump on it. and Olivia Munn is just like, bye. And, uh, and then the ship flies and there's a shield and some fighting and it's crashing and it's, it goes through all these fucking trees. And then, uh, it totally goes and smash, a smash. And then the super predator gets out and he looks at the the hero of the movie who looks like a knockoff Brad Pitt. And he's just like, ha ha, let's, let's dance. And they're about to have a fight. And then, uh, and again, he's another time where he pushes that guy down. He doesn't, he doesn't super predator him. He pushes him to the ground. And then, uh, guess who shows up? Well, of course it's invisible Olivia Munn, who was hiding behind a rock, and she jumps on the predator's head. Uh, they just left you like thirty miles away. Like they jumped into a spaceship and flew off over the over the jungle, over the trees and everything else, and then crashed into this indeterminate location. There's no way. There's no, there's no way that she's there. There it just it it's I, and again, I hate to be the guy who goes, that would never happen, but you've got to give me something to cling to. There has to be some baseline of reality. Even in a space monster with space dogs movie, there has to be something I can hold dear to. And one of them is that Olivia Munn cannot run faster than a spaceship and does not have a GPS in her brain to know where you're going to crash. I just have to, I have to embrace, you know what? Look, I'm going to say that's a baseline fact for every movie. If you see Schindler's List and you watch it and you're weeping in your brain, you have to at least think, well, you know, the good thing is I know Olivia Munn is not going to run faster than a spaceship, and she doesn't have a GPS built in her brain to find out where it's going to crash. Even with Schindler's List, you can think that. It's the one fact you can count on. You should be able to count on in all movies you've ever seen. Jaws, giant shark, eating people. Well, at least Olivia Munn can't swim faster than the shark and has a GPS to know where it's going to attack the boat. You have to possibly think that in your brain. Every movie you've ever seen, you have to be able to say, Olivia Munn can't do this and doesn't have a GPS, so she can't show up here. But now that's all out the fucking window, man. Shane Black took that and threw it off a fucking cliff on top of a spaceship, and then it crashed into a mountain. Uh, So now Olivia Munn is super speed, and she knows exactly where every fucking thing is in the world. Also, Olivia Munn, research scientist who wrote a letter when she was six years old, somehow knows how to handle every automatic weapon you hand her. Here, take this AR-15. Here, take these handguns. Hey, take this machine gun. Hey, take this rocket launcher. Okay, all right, no problem. Did she learn those on Attack of the Show? I have no clue. Did they, I didn't see a segment. Was there a learn and know your weapons with the hot chick segment on Attack of the Show? But it exists in this. I mean, and sure enough, they go up a hand in her stuff and they're like, all right, you do this and shoot this and do that. Then at the end of the movie, again... Dude, they're fighting in a prison camp. They, they escape to a biker bar. They're hiding in a hotel room. They're in a fucking Winnebago. over like five days, they're fighting predators and predator dogs. And then they're fighting the government because the government are the bad guys slash good guys. So they're trying to keep them off their ass. They're in fucking mud and rolling through the woods. They're in a jungle chasing the predator. And then the predator's chasing them. It's like a Scooby-Doo where they keep opening doors and there's a predator and then it's them. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, it's like, "Whoo, well, whatever the fuck happens, happens, I'm not going to give it away. But I can tell you this, uh, Olivia Munn, her hair looks perfect. I, I don't I don't know what kind of fucking conditioner she's using. I don't know what kind of hold she has. But I can tell you this, she can fight several predators in the jungle and everywhere else in the world. She can run 30 miles an hour faster than a fucking spaceship and get to wherever you want her to be before you show up. And at the end of it, her white shirt isn't dirty and her hair looks great. And, uh, and I'm, that's all I'm going to say about the predator. But I enjoyed it. Because I was with my friends and it was silly and foolish. I, well, you know, and again, I didn't pay. Fucking poor Ken. And also he's got to be even more mad at fucking Stacy because he bought her a ticket for that abomination and she didn't even fucking show up. So the movie ends with, and I want want to tell you so bad how it ends because they tried to set up a sequel. Uh, And also I was, remember I was alluding to the fact that the whole Predator thing doesn't make sense uh, if you look at it on on its face. I mean, it's, again, it's, it, the, the whole thing about global warming and them wanting our planet, I get all that. But it just... Again, it's just space monsters who want to come and fight us. That's that's what it all boils down to in all these movies. Like I said, the Terminator, the robots want to take over. Why? The fuck are you going to do afterwards? Have a robot lemonade and, go, and talk about the good old days, you fucks? Uh, same thing with the Predators. You're going to take over our planet and then what? Build Predator fucking movie theaters and watch movies about your triumphs? I don't fucking get it, man. So the movie ends... And, uh, and I look at John and John and John is an eternal optimist. So John is like, oh, that was fun. And I'm like, yeah, it was pretty awful. And he's like, well, yeah, but still I had fun. I, like, well, I, I did too, but still that was, uh, that was not good. And I stand up and I turn around and two rows behind us up in the, in the waiter territory. Uh, there's the lovely and talented Ken Fairhall. He's just reclined and sitting, and he just—he literally looks up at me and he waves at me like the underage chick who got banged at Animal House. Like she's drunk, kind of squints her eyes and like, "Hi, friend," and I go, "You're here?" He goes, "Yeah." I go, "Where did you go? I saw you bail, but I didn't see you come back." And he goes, "I can't sit in those seats." I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I can't—I can't sit in those seats." The—I said the Rumble seat. He goes, "Yeah, it's just fucking." It was shaky. It's like fucking pinching my balls. It's throwing me off. It's like I can't. It's too hard. I can't lean back in it. He goes, I don't. I don't want to sit in a fucking prison. I, want, I can't even watch a movie and relax. And I went, yeah, but it's a Rumble seat. That's the whole point. He goes, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I'm like, All right, man. I mean, I, I fully threw myself into the Rumble seat concept. I was excited about it, but he uh, he was absolutely not interested, and that was fine. I totally got it. Um, but it was an experience going to a movie theater like that, man. I mean, I haven't, like I said, I don't, I don't go to regular movie theaters anymore. Uh, but on the road, you got and even because even that was a fancy theater. Like I said, it had food and fucking rumble seats and shit. But you still had to sit. Through, you were still a prisoner of forty five minutes of garbage on the screen, uh, which which was terrible. But I mean, I but I'm gonna go. I mean, fucking October is gonna be amazing for movies, dudes. Fucking uh, what, what what Halloween, the fucking new Halloween and Venom, dude. I didn't even realize that Venom was coming out. I thought it was a summer movie, but Venom is coming out next month. Jesus Christ! Uh, so I'll go see that. And I, and and I know you're like, well, Mike, why would you see Venom? Uh, or maybe you wouldn't. You'd be a grown up and you'd be like, well, Mike likes what he likes. I, but I gotta see Venom. I saw Spider Man. I gotta see Venom. You gotta see Venom. Venom is fucking awesome. Yeah. But I'll tell you this: in the trailer, I saw the last you know Venom trailer like two trailers ago. Because I don't t- I told you I don't watch them. But I saw a Venom trailer. I watched one and then I'm done. And I watched the Venom trailer and uh, and he calls a guy a turd. And I was like, man, I got to be honest. This is a hard R movie. If he calls the guy a turd in the movies, I think they did it just for the trailer. I'm hoping I'm praying. Uh, Cause they sometimes make, you know, changes in the trailer. Like they did that with Avengers. They fucked you up because they showed like a big battle and there are heroes fighting in the battle that aren't really in the battle because they didn't want you knowing anything from the trailer. And I like that. Give me bamboozle me in a trailer. Give me the fucking shell game. And that's cool. But, uh, but the fact that Venom called the guy a turd, it literally, like, I was like, all right, I'm on board. There's Tom Hardy. He's sweating. It's Tom Hardy, by the way. Come on. We all know Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's like him and Brad Pitt. I would, if they're on the other side of a fence, I'm jumping it. Like, and I'm not even, I don't even need my hands. I jump it like a fucking, like a steeplechase runner to get to those two. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm selling out for them. Because uh, Tom Hardy, like I said, relax and let Tom Hardy drive. I would do that. Uh, but Tom Hardy's fucking fantastic. And he's got that, he's trying that New York accent. Good for him. He's trying and uh Venom's a symbiote or symbiote, I don't know how to pronounce it in the film and it's a monster and I look I read the comics I was there when Venom was uh, I wasn't there <laughs> when Venom was uh, conceived but when he showed up in Secret Wars because that's where Batman or Spider-Man finds him he finds him the, the black costume in Secret Wars and then it turns out it's a symbiote taking taking him over and then it becomes Venom and then Carnage shows up and oh it's amazing so I'm I'm excited to see Venom but it's funny how they they do that with a trailer where they bamboozle you they throw you a curveball cuz all right. Well, let's talk about this fucking dudes. Did you see, did you see the video clip of the Joker movie? Uh, you know, me, I mean, fuck, the, look, the fan club page is called Westside 86 Jokers. You know how much I loved dark Knight. You know, I went there uh, and, and you know how much I love Batman, but I love the Joker more than I love Batman. If you wanted me to have a character, like literally my favorite card to comic book characters, uh, are Spider-Man and Joker uh and and mysterio as I've talked about but Joker is just he's so interesting and so amazing and so incredible and so vicious and so ruthless and so brutal as I've told you before like when I wanted to see Batman and the Joker on the screen like in 1988 when I went to or 89 or whatever it was when that movie came out I lived in Tahoe and I went to I saw head six times just so I could watch the Batman trailer before it and after it. I would watch the Batman trailer beforehand, watch Pumpkinhead, and then stay in my, in the theater to watch the Batman trailer before the next showing of Pumpkinhead, And we'd split because I wanted to see Batman and the Joker on the big screen. I wanted to see the moving. I loved it. I loved it so much. And now as I've gotten older, you know, I've talked about, I have Cape fatigue. I don't need to see so many heroes and stuff like that. And, you know, like, I didn't need to see Thor Dark World, but Thor Ragnarok is fucking incredible. It, it might be the best superhero movie of all time. Avengers 4, you know, Infinity War, all, all of these things. These are great movies because the way they're done, they're they're showing respect for them and doing them the right way. But with DC, it's completely different. I thought Batman and Superman, I did a whole fucking show on how how unbelievably bad it was. That fucking Martha thing, dude, the fact that his mom and his mom, and then why would you say that name? Why would you say that name? And just, it was just, it's, it's. As I get older, like I said, I can see the Terminator ethos, the Terminator myth, and see through it. I can see through the Predator myth. It doesn't make any sense to me. And superhero shit doesn't make sense to me. Now, I watch the movies, and I can get into them. But also my brain, because I'm a critical thinking person, I can actually look at it and go, Hey, uh, who's cleaning up all this shit? Like Because there used to be, there was a comic book called Damage Incorporated, and it was all these guys who went out and they cleaned up cities after the fucking heroes destroyed them. Like when I saw Superman, Man of Steel... And General Zod comes to Earth. And then, like I said, Superman kills General Zod. Spoiler alert. Uh, and and you're watching it. You're like, Superman doesn't kill dudes. In Batman versus Superman, Batman's shooting bullets and killing dudes. You're like, this isn't how they fucking handle it. And also, Batman is, is more... Look, he's very physical. There's no doubt he's a fucking fighter. But he's also a detective. He figures shit out. And we don't get to see that side of him in basically any movie. Like, the closest we got is in Dark Knight when he... You know, coordinates all of the cell phones and shit in fucking Gotham City, and he becomes his own personal uh, you know, TSA, <laughs> and he fucking uh, eavesdrops on everybody to find out where the Joker is. Um, I'd love to see like a Batman movie that was a little slower paced, where he actually had to solve crimes and learn stuff, not just fucking punch a guy and hit him with a batarang, you know. And and that was why the Joker was such a fucking tremendous foil for him because he would, the Joker flew directly into the face of all logic. So Batman could try to figure out everything. You know, remember I just told you that Olivia Munn in any movie you go into, Olivia Munn can't run 30 miles an hour and beat your spaceship and then also doesn't have a GPS in her head. That's that's how Batman feels. He's got that that rule that he applies to any and all crimes. You can solve things, you can figure things out except the Joker. Because the Joker is never going to make it known what he's going to do in any real way. He'll tell you. He's not like the Riddler. The Riddler wants you to solve shit, so he'll give you clues all along the way. The Joker's just a fucking nut. And and so I, I uh, you don't need a standalone Joker movie. You really don't. But I, so I was kind of like, eh. I know Scorsese's in it. If Scorsese was directing it. I would have been like, all right, I'm completely on board with this. But then when they said fucking Todd Phillips was doing it, I wasn't sure if I was interested. Uh, you know, because again, I'm so down on DC. Wonder Woman was good. I got no interest in fucking Aquaman. I don't. I don't give a fuck about Flash. I don't care about Cyborg. And even now they've they dumped Henry Cavill's. So they're getting a new Superman. They're dumping Affleck. They're getting a new Batman. So they're rebooting everything without ever having been good, but they've consistently had a Joker presence, you know, and, and the worst thing that happened was when Ledger died, you know, cause he was, he was so fucking good at it. But I will tell you this, Heath Ledger was such a tremendous actor. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he ever would have done another Joker movie. You know, he was, he didn't seem like the kind of guy you could go, we'll give you $50 million if you do this. Now look, $50 million is a lot of fucking money and it buys a lot of fucking Olsen twins and pills. But at the same time, he might've been like, ah, fuck this man. I want to move on to the next challenge. Uh, like fucking what's his name? Nutbag Shia LaBeouf. That dude, he's just bananas. Like, I mean, I think you could offer him any amount of money to recreate another role that he had done once. And he'd just say no, because instead he wants to go film himself in a sleeping bag for six months in the Arctic. He's like that fucking banana head. Uh, So Heath is a guy who I think he might not have been able to say that he would do that. By the way, I call him Heath because we're good friends. And uh, so then when they said they're going to do a standalone Joker movie, like I said, Scorsese was involved. That was fine. But I also, I don't need a Joker origin story. I don't need to know where the Joker came from. Now, in the Killing Joke comic book, now and, and dudes, I got to warn you, this is Joker heavy, and now that I'm thinking about it, I, I shouldn't have started talking about it. You thought, you thought I talked about the bears a lot a couple weeks ago? Uh, in the Killing Joke comic book, they kind of give you a thin membrane of an origin for the Joker. And it, but it also, it might be him, or it also could be, that was the best thing about the Joker, is you never fucking know. It's, it's why in Dark Knight, you want to know how I got these scars? And it's always a different fucking story every single time. So you don't know who he is. You, you never get a read on him. Like in the movie, you never, you never get his name. The best part is when he's in the fucking jail cell and they just find like 30 knives on him and his clothes with no label, but they're custom made. He's got a custom fit clothes. Think about that. The Joker went to a tailor and I'm sure he went in with his boys and they fucking roughed him up. And cause here's, here's the best part about the fucking Joker. All right. This is why he's the best villain that you could possibly imagine. Thanos is amazing. He was, you, you empathized with him, and at the same time, you did not want him to, 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 to kill people. You didn't want bad things to happen to the heroes. You're rooting against Thanos, but you understand why Thanos is doing what he's doing, and he gives you the reason he's like hey i'm gonna do this because of this without but the problem is he's you know he's also crazy because he doesn't realize you know hey yeah, if half the people go away then the other half might still fight over the resources you're not getting rid of all the bad people you're just getting rid of half the people what if half the people that stuck are still bad people what if you just left all the nazis and they want to fucking kill them one another and stop around so that's that's where his plan falls on its face but at the same time thanos kills people by snapping his fingers he just he kills everybody and he doesn't think about it. And if you think about it, you're like, boy, that's an extinction level event and it's mass murder and it's brutal. However, it's not as brutal as the Joker. Because yeah, Thanos killed people and Ultron wanted to kill people and all these these pixels that the rest of these fucking Avengers and everybody else fights, all these, you know, Doctor Strange fights the monsters and golden ropes and fucking whoever else comes from space. Yeah, all that shit. Those guys want to kill everybody. Um, but the Joker wants to hurt people and that's, that was why I fucking loved him. It's, it's like, you know, you you can have this incredible, this beautiful, this operatic death scene for everybody and Thanos snaps his fingers and everybody, and it was moving as hell, but, uh, but it's not going to be as effective as the Joker with a fucking switchblade at a guy in an alleyway and laughing in his face as he does it and cuts his own heart out and shows it to him. And that's the difference. That's why the Joker is relatable. That's why the Joker is real. That's why I liked Spider-Man and the Joker, because they were real. Batman's a fucking billionaire. You know, Batman's the fucking, he's basically the shadow. He's a billionaire with a cave, and his parents died. You know, all about his motivation. Yes, I know Uncle Ben died for Spider-Man, but he was still Spider-Man before Uncle Ben, but then he decided to take the responsibility. But also he's poor. He's got to get two fucking jobs. He's got his aunt, and uh and and so he's a real person, you know, ostensibly. And you can kind of relate to that a lot more than you can a billionaire who wants to kill people in the middle of the fucking night. Uh, but, but that's who the Joker is. The Joker is just mayhem in a purple suit. And, and he will never tell you who he is. He never tells you what he's going to do. You know, like I said, in the killing joke, when he shows up at Barbara Gordon's house, he shoots her in the fucking hip. He, I mean, he could have killed her very easily. But instead, he shoots her in the hip and paralyzes her because it goes through her spinal cord. And then he does terrible things to her. He takes her clothes off. He takes photos. And I'm I'm assuming he did other th- terrible, terrible things because he wanted to drive her father crazy. That was what his goal was. See, he, he doesn't want to kill everybody all the time. Sometimes he's he does small crime. Sometimes, like in the Dark Knight in the comic book, he goes to beyond basically what is the David Letterman show, and. Uh, and he he gases everybody and he kills like 500 people in the audience because he's the Joker and he thinks it's funny uh, and he gets to escape and and you know his his complete obsession is with Batman you you don't really know why um, and that's that's the best part it's like you don't know he's just nuts he's like he's he's as if Tyler Durden was was a, a supervillain you know you just can't predict what he's going to do next. And he's, and he's psychotic. But like I said, you know, anybody can kill people. The Joker hurts people and he laughs about it and he thinks it's hilarious. And that's one of the reasons why I dug him so much, which it, it's, it's fantastic. I want, I understand Thanos. I understand these villains. I understand, you know, even Doc Ock and Mysterio, but it's all, it's a lot of pixels. You know, the Joker is flesh and bone. I, I want criminals made of flesh and bone. Those are my favorite stories in comic books. You know, when, when they're, they're, I tell, I've talked about it many times before. Spider-Man had an arc where he fought this guy called the Sin Eater. And it was just a crazy guy with a shotgun and a mask. And cause that's real, man. And that, and, and I, I really relate to that. I enjoy reading that stuff. I, I like stuff that, that hits home. Like the Punisher. I mean, I just, I fucking love the Punisher. No, I haven't seen it on Netflix yet. Don't ask. But I mean, the Punisher is just a fucking, he's just murder. He's just a guy made of murder. And it's fascinating. Like I, you know, I'd love to see a fucking setup where the Punisher has to go against the Joker. It, cause I think the Joker would love it. You know what I mean? Cause basically the Punisher is just Batman who kills. That was what DC did was they basically, or Marvel, they just stole Batman and made the Punisher out of him basically, but they made him a psycho and Batman though is a psycho. Batman, Batman's a cop when you get down to it and, uh, and then then that new Joker. So again, I wasn't on board with it. I just didn't care. I wasn't, I wasn't excited when I, when they announced it, then Scorsese, I'm like, well, all right, you know, I can fucking see this. Uh, and then, and then they said, Joaquin Phoenix. And, and in my head, I just went, you know what? Fuck. I, I'm going to have to see this. I mean, I'm going to see it anyway. Cause it's the fucking Joker. And I mean, literally Joker and Spider-Man. I, I have to, but, uh, but Joaquin Phoenix, how good is that guy? I mean, he's phenomenal in every movie he's in. He's so good. He can play malevolent. He can play scary. He can play funny and, uh, and he can lose himself completely in a character. And the, the problem is following Heath Ledger. There's no doubt. Look, there's no problem in following Jared Leto. I mean, we, we all know that that was a misfire. Although I did like the idea of like kind of a younger hip hop crime boss joker. Like he adapted to modern times and made himself that guy. He shouldn't have had a fucking tattoo on his forehead because that was fucked. But I, I didn't hate that movie. I told you I saw Suicide Squad on HBO. And if I'd have paid to see it, I'd have been like, fuck. But seeing it on HBO, I'm like... This isn't the worst thing I've ever seen. You know, Deadshot is Will Smith and Will Smith is always Will Smith. So you can't get past that. And Margot Robbie is fucking hot. Um, And but even in that movie, they wind up fighting magic. You know what I mean? They got to fight a fucking chick, whatever the fuck, the enchantress, whoever the fuck. Um, But the scenes the Joker's in, like the scene in the club where he wheels on the hip hop dudes and then the scene where he shows up and he makes the fucking prison guard confess, uh, there there was a Joker vibe there that I dug. Again, he doesn't need the fucking head tattoo. But I mean, I I can find something. I mean, it's not Heath. It wasn't Heath Ledger at all. But it, it shouldn't have been. But it's a tough act to follow. So I think maybe a good thing for Joaquin Phoenix is following Leto instead of following Heath. Although Heath is still the overarching idea we have of what the Joker can be on screen. But Joaquin Phoenix, man, I'm I'm on board. And and so, you know, they announced that casting. They announced the movie, and I I keep you know there's all this snark online where everybody's is they're ripping it. So then last week, uh, I was in Toronto and I, I had seen a picture. He had released a picture of Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips on his Instagram. And it just said, Arthur. And it was Joaquin Phoenix as whomever the Joker is before he becomes the Joker. Now, if he's Arthur, I think that actually conforms to the killing joke membrane of a story where he winds up being a comedian. Then he gets mixed up with the mob and starts doing these, these, these robberies. And, uh, whatever you'd have to read the book i'm not going to give it away but he just puts up arthur and so everybody goes oh my gosh look at him and then of course everybody's got to weigh in and be like well he shouldn't look like that no he should look like this no what if he looked like this all this all this kind of stuff but then uh about four days later he puts out a video and it's called the color test it's a 30 second clip and i first saw it in the hotel room in toronto with ken who must've just been thrilled that I'm, I'm going, look at this Joker clip. (laughs) I mean, he's a, he's a guy. Like, I mean, he's a man, you know, grown up with kids and a house and all that shit. And I'm like, duh, we, but that's kind of the problem that I have also is the fact that, you know, these movies, when, when we were, when we were kids, like when I, you know, when I was 20 and stuff or whatever, and I read fucking comic books and I looked at that stuff, uh, it was for me in that age group. And it wasn't, it didn't dominate the world. Now it just seems like it dominates the world so much. And then everybody, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I, so the clip is, it's him standing there as Arthur. It's Joaquin Phoenix, and it's a live action clip. And it uses a song by the Guess Who called Laughing. And and such a great choice of the music. And also he does a little trick at the end, because uh, he plays the he plays the little first verse of the song, but he takes out the last line of the first verse and replaces it with a different line uh, from, that repeats throughout the song. But it's not... The, the, the last line of the first verse. Uh, here's a lot of inside baseball about the Guess Who. Oh, oh, oh man. That's when you know you got a, a quality podcast and a quality show. When a guy's breaking down the Guess Who for you. Let me, let me draw up an NCAA chart of all the Guess Who songs and their lyrics. Let's do that and bore ourselves to tears. And then I'm going to suck on a fucking shotgun barrel. Uh, oh, oh, man. I just... I know, I know. It's a lot of t- a lot of talk about something that you might not care about. It's a lot of Joker talk. I get it, but it's 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 relevant to me. I uh, because I must explain it to you because I again that it's I'm obsessed. I've watched this clip a thousand times, a thousand fucking times. I watch it every day. I watch it. Sometimes I'll go to bed and I run on Instagram real quick and I go, hey, I should check that out before I go to sleep. And that's weird, probably, but it's just I I love it so much. And here's why I love it so much. So the clip is Joaquin Phoenix and he's there and he's Arthur. He's got his hands tucked in his pockets. He's just drab. He's got drab hair and drab clothing. And this song starts by by the Guess Who. And uh, the lyrics are, I should laugh, but I cry because your love has passed me by. You took me by surprise. And then uh, the last line, he says, is, I didn't realize that you were laughing. But that's, again, like I said, that's not the real. I won't give you the line because why should I? <laughs> you don't care. Um, but so the song plays and it's this little it's a real spare guitar track. And there's a, there's a clip, a clapboard, you know, like a whiteboard. And it just says, Arthur, a color test. And then the song starts and it says, you know, I should laugh, but I cry. But the whole time Arthur's standing there and he's grim. He's just making a grim, normal straight face. And they're superimposing the Joker over him in really fast snippets. Like in the beginning, it's, it's almost imperceptible what it is. But it's a thirty-second clip, and as the as the thirty seconds goes by, and the song goes by, the clips get to be a little bit longer and a little bit longer. The superimposition stays a little bit longer, so it's it's almost a millisecond at first, and then it stays for maybe half a second. Then it stays for a second. Then it stays for like three seconds. Then it, then it closes out, and the, the the superimposition of the Joker. And when I say the Joker, I mean it's Arthur, it's Joaquin Phoenix, in full Joker makeup. And full Joker costume. And he's clearly on a stage or something, and it seems that he's performing. But Arthur is standing there still, grim, with his hands in his pockets as this is superimposed over him. And the camera is getting closer and closer. So the music is playing. The camera's getting closer and closer. Arthur's just standing there while they superimpose the Joker over him. But if you watch, because, again, you're trying to see the snippets of the Joker, so that's where your eye is drawn. But if you watch it and you watch Arthur, as the camera's getting closer, he's changing. He's changing. He's he's actually uh, changing in that he's starting to smile as it gets closer and closer. The camera's getting in, it's pushing in on him, and and the way I perceive that because brace yourselves, have a seat. I, I took a mass media class once. All right, here was my here's the way I perceived it. because uh, also like I said, he's he gets to be smiling. I because I, I need I need to tell you the whole thing. Uh, as the camera's pushing in, it's getting closer on Arthur, and he starts smiling. The more the Joker is superimposed upon him, the longer the clip is. He's smiling till by at the very end, uh, when the very end of Arthur in the clip, he has a huge, broad smile on his face with the Joker superimposed over him. And then the last line, like I said, from the guess who is it says you were laughing. And right when he says laughing, it switches and Arthur is gone and the Joker is there and the joker has a huge smile on his face he's in full makeup and full joker costume so the joker that had been superimposed on arthur has now taken arthur's place and he has a huge grin uh but then he 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 does this this barely perceptible move where he lifts his eyebrow really quickly it's just it's just i mean it's just this this little arching of the eyebrow and he he exhales so deeply after adding just and then he makes a really straight mean face back at camera and, and again, brace yourselves folks. Cause again, I took a class <laughs> one time, but my perception of it and what leads to my enjoyment of it, which leads to my, uh, because, you know, and isn't that the way it always should be? Shouldn't you just perceive art your way? You know, I, and I, I gotta tell you, I'm starting to, um, uh, you know, I'm thinking about my apartment in a grown-up way. I have a lot of photos of my friends. I have photos of my godson and my and and his sister up, and I have a photo of me with my friend Jeff from the UN of Evil at his wedding. I was his best man, and it's a great picture. It's a, a picture I love. If you want to see it, tell me. I'll put it on the Joker's page. Or I'll just I'll hold it up during a stream or something. But uh, but I'm finding all these photographs, and I want to find places to put them in my apartment because I want to surround myself with things from my my past and things that I love. But also, I'm I want to get into art. I know that sounds dumb, but I, I I've been struck by images recently and I saw things like I uh, <laughs> I follow a woman named Charisma Carpenter on Instagram. If you know who that is, she's an actress. Uh, she's been in Buffy and a million other things. And uh, she is, I mean, like top one percent beautiful women in the world. Her face is just I mean, she has a perfect, unbelievably beautiful face. And she does a ton of interesting things. She goes to Comic-Con. She, she's always driving in Malibu, and I just love it. Her music choices are whatever. I like following her. So she also puts up interesting artwork. She'll put up, uh, you know, artwork, pictures, and things like that. And she put up a, a picture the other day, and it, I, it, was, it was one of the first times I felt viscerally moved by, a, by an image of artwork. And like I said, I've been, I've been looking to explore. Like I said, I have movie posters to frame, and that stuff's great. But I, I would like to maybe have a painting. You know, and, and, you know, obviously uh, you're like, well, call Max. Well, I, I know, but I would have to pay Max. I got to commission him, of course. Um, but this image that I saw, it was a, uh, it was a, it was a tight image on a woman. It was basically a woman in, in repose. She was reclining, you know, uh, uh, leaning on her, on her side. Almost, you ever seen Venus on the, or no, the Venus is standing up, I think. It's a woman, basically a woman laying down. On her side, she's, so she's propped up on an arm elbow, but you don't see any of that. You literally only see the woman from basically mid-thigh up to navel. And she's naked, and it's beautiful because the, the female form is incredibly beautiful, and especially that area. But she is wearing a crown of thorns as a belt. And... And there's, she's, you know, there's blood obviously coming out of her waist. So her, it's, it's cinched in, and the, her waist is bleeding. But her, you know, her shape, her, her, you know, everything else is intact. It's beautiful. Like I said, from about her navel, a little over her navel to right about mid thigh. Now I want to know what that piece of artwork is. I tried to Google it. You know, crown of thorns, waist belt, woman, blood, weeping, whatever. I, I tried to do all of that. So here's what I did because I'm this guy. I actually wrote Charisma Carpenter a note, which. You know, they're celebrities. Nobody's reading their fucking mail. Certainly not from some nobody who writes them a goddamn note on Instagram. But I wrote her a note and I just said, listen, uh, you know, I, I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds. I'm just wondering what that image was, what the actual, what that image was taken from. Like, what piece of artwork? Uh, here's the thing. I haven't heard back from Charisma Carpenter just yet. I'm sure she's, she's just waiting for the moment to spring it upon me. I'm sure in the middle of the nighttime, she's going to be like, Mike, oh my God, I finally heard from you. Um I shouldn't even have to write me if she just put it in her fucking Instagram feed. That would be fine with me, too. I would love that. But it's just but it struck me. And I was like, that's boy, that's fascinating. And it moved me. And it's something that I would like to see the larger image of to see what it is. And I I, so I started to look at, you know, painting and I started to realize I liked I was liking expressionist paintings because I don't know. Again, I don't know a fuck all about what these things are or what anything is paintings. I don't know who they are. I, you know, it's that thing. It's like it may I may not know art, but I know what I like. Uh, but I started to do some Googling and I looked, you know, I was talking to my mom because my mom loves art. She loves Maxfield Parrish and all these other people. And she's like, you should like him. So I started to look at him and I didn't, it didn't jump at me. You know, it's not, I don't, I don't want people, although then, you know, the thing charisma put up, I'm obviously, I'm like, well, that was pretty fascinating, but I like shapes. I like, I like, uh, like I said, I like expressionist stuff. And I I found a, a (laughs) I found a, an artist named Anselm Kiefer and he's, uh, he's from Germany. Um, obviously with that fucking name and, uh, he, he, he works with scrap metal and all these, whatever the fuck it's just, it's so weird to all of a sudden have this interest and I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't, I didn't know what it was, but I've started to become fascinated with. And you know what I think really, you know, I haven't had TV since July. So I'm wondering if that's leading me to crave imagery from other sources, uh, and and other interesting sources and other interesting imagery. You know what I mean? Like I I told you I have photographs of people and I have movie posters of things that I love, but uh, but to see things that have been created by by people, you know, like I, I in one of the things I've unearthed, I found a painting Max made for me of Michael Madsen as Mr. Blonde, and it's it's just phenomenal. I mean, it's just a small it's just beautiful I mean i I love it because it's not a painting where he sat down and it looks exactly like him it it's one of those paintings that it looks almost tossed off and a little bit unfinished but it's also brilliant in its focus uh and I like because you know exactly who it is and it's just but it's not I don't know how to explain it if you sat down and did an actual painting you would fill in his hair and his eyes and all these different things. But the, the, what makes it is just, it's just beautiful. And also there's a painting he did of me. And I showed this on a live stream once where it's basically a big little schmitty suit, but I'm taking the head off and it's, it's me in the suit. And I love both of those. So I've got those, they're framed and I have them here. Uh, so I'm wondering if maybe I'm craving imagery because I'm not getting it from other sources and things like that. I don't, I don't know. Uh, again, I took a class on that folks. I took a lot of classes on a lot of things. <laughs> this is a lot of fucking nonsense. Um, This would be one of those things where it would be a discussion to have with somebody else and talk about their love of art. Maybe they could steer me in a different way. Whatever the fuck, I I found myself liking expressionism. I found myself liking. uh, I found another artist named Kit King. I found her, and she does basically paintings that look like they're photographs, paintings of people's faces that look as if it was a photograph and and but made giant. But for some reason, she can paint. I forget what it's called, realistic something, and it's just phenomenal. But also, she does these pictures that are just. It's called drop art. So she'll paint, it'll just be like paint streaks, but then underneath there are these little black shadows underneath that look like drop shadows to the actual streaks, but it's all part of the same painting. Like she painted all of it. It's not, there's no shadow. She painted the shadow part underneath the streaks. And I, I just find that fascinating. And again, because I'm eternally fascinated by things that I can't do. And if I, and, and, and so I want to, I want to dive into whatever you can create and whatever you can make happen. Music, art, those are things I'm incapable of. I can talk. And I can be funny and I can write, you know, that's fine. But when, but when I see somebody actually creating with paint or art or even, you know, scrap metal, any of those things, my mom, my mom told me she likes brutalist art. And there was some statue of a fish she told me to look at. And I looked at it and I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. And, and so I started to do some research on brutalism and it's a, it's a style of architecture, but also it's a style of sculpture. And, uh, it's, it's just weird to be awakened to these sorts of things. Cause this isn't something I've ever really thought of before, but it's been triggered by the fact that I want my house to look nice. I want my apartment to be cool. I want it to have stuff in there that that I enjoy, stuff that reflects my interests and and grown-up stuff. I won't lie. You know, I, I can I can you know I've got a poster of the Hateful Eight that I can frame. I've got a poster that you guys bought me a million fucking years ago of Kill Bill. It was an abstract Kill Bill painting. I cannot wait to fucking frame that finally. It's literally been sitting in a cardboard tube since 2012. Uh, so six years later, I'm going to finally frame the thing and put it up, and I, I'm excited to do those to do those things. And Randy, you know, when I was seeing Randy, she gave me a, a Foo Fighters tour poster that was like a one of like 30, and a Cheap Trick poster that's signed with their from the Hall of Fame. So I mean, I have those things. Those are nice, but those are also those are youthful items to put on your wall. I don't want to say frat, but I mean, you know, I told you when I lived in fucking Tahoe, our whole fucking our, our, all of it kitchen. Living room, everything. Well, the kitchen was covered with fucking centerfolds. So that's a totally different story. Hustler centerfolds and Playboy centerfolds. But in the, uh, the rest of the house was all movie posters. I mean, you couldn't see a spare inch of brick because we had those white bricks in our house. Uh, we had movie posters all over the whole thing because we stole them from the movie theater every week. Hi, I was a good guy back then. But uh, but it almost strikes me as, you know, like I said, I have these photographs, which are great because that, that reminds me of my life. But also these movie posters, which I'm going to put up because I love them. But also they just strike me as being uh, of youth. And, and this whole rebirth thing's about growing up a little bit. And, and so I, you know, I, you know, I'm going to get a plant. I know that sounds ridiculous. I want to get a plant and I want to, I want to put it in the sun and I want to water it and I want to take care of it. I know I'm sound like that little kid who fucking wouldn't let Snoopy go mom, mom. Can I keep a mom, mom, that little girl. But, uh, they're just weird instincts that I've never had before. And, and I'm sure you didn't need to hear them about it on this fucking show, whatever the fuck. So here's the thing. I took a fucking class. God damn it. Let's talk about that. So in this clip, like I said, it's thirty seconds, and it pushes in closer. And Arthur's got a, a normal face, a normal face. But by the end, he's smiling a very big, broad grin, and then on the he instantly turns into the Joker on the on the word laughing, which of course makes sense. Um, but the way I interpreted it was in the beginning, he's he's Arthur. He's dreary. He's drab. He's nobody, and he knows it, and he can feel it. Uh, But within that 30 seconds, he emerges Uh, a little at a time. Like I said, a millisecond and then a second and then three seconds. And the camera moving in is a metaphor for getting him getting closer to who he really is, who he is inside. Because you can see he's dressed in the drabbest colors. He's just beige. He's just he's just a nobody but as it's getting closer the and 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 the joker is is all makeup and and kind of a muted the suit is almost yeah, I would say it's rust colored I mean it's not even purple they didn't go for the purple but uh but by the time the 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 switch happens and he's the joker he's got the green hair and he's got a huge grin and he's wearing the joker's clothes and uh and I think as the camera's getting closer it, it's because Arthur is getting closer to being exactly who he is Arthur, it's a metaphor for in the movie when he's probably going to be, he's this nobody who then becomes a somebody by becoming the Joker. And it's, it's, he finds the true nature of who he is inside and, and it's a psychopath and he unleashes it on everybody. Because when that, when that final shot hits and he's got the huge smile as the Joker... He, again, the eyebrow goes up almost, almost arching in a way of finally, you know what I mean? Just this thing like, you know, yeah. And then he exhales to go, I'm who, this is it. This is me. This is who I am. And I finally got here, whether it took 30 seconds or it's going to take three hours in the movie or however the fuck long it takes his whole goddamn life throughout the movie. uh, He becomes the Joker at the end and he just, he makes this huge grin and then he just goes, <sighs> he exhales and then he just, and then he makes this dead eye fucking stare at the camera. And, and in my mind, that's just, all right, let's get to work. I'm, I've am i now found who I am. Now it's time to fulfill my destiny. Now I've it's time I found my true calling and, and looking at it in that scope, looking at it that way, I, I, and I see it every time. And I see something new every time I watch the clip, whether it's the vest, the color of the vest or the, the. You know his teeth are a little off. I, it's just I just love it so much and I can't stop watching it. And I and now I want to see this fucking movie tomorrow. Because like I said, I didn't give a fuck. I don't care about a Joker origin story. I don't want to know the mystery. I don't want to know any of the stuff behind it. But but seeing him unveiled, I I you know and and certainly putting my spin on it and my interpretation, it made me really really want to see the movie. And I will also tell you this: there's uh you know so so they put up the clip. And online, everybody is savaging it. I mean, they're, they they just this sucks, this fucking sucks. Heath's better, Heath Ledger. You'll never top Heath Ledger. Why the fuck are they doing this? Such a mistake. And I read these things, and I shouldn't read them. I know I sh- it's poison. I've talked about it. Social media, don't dive into it. But it's poison. But but what really bothered me in reading it is is uh, it's thirty seconds. It's thirty seconds of of a project that won't even be out for for a year. And you've already dismissed it out of hand. It sucks. It's terrible. It's so bad. It won't be as good as this. Hey, man, when Heath Ledger got the job, people fucking hated that choice. People can pretend they didn't, but people are like, what the fuck is this? Ah, oh, blah, 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 blah. Like, people were upset and mad and they weren't happy about it. But everybody has to fucking tear it apart. They all come swooping in and they've all got their opinion and again. It's on 30 fucking seconds. Now, granted, I love the thing in 30 seconds, so maybe I'm guilty of the same thing. But don't you remember liking stuff? Can you remember a time that you were excited for things and you didn't immediately give it the jaundiced eye and, and, and look at it and go, well, that's not going to be good. Or, and it's this, it's this thing we're conditioned to do now where we, we want to blunt any bad feelings or, or we want to avoid getting sucked into liking stuff because if it turns out to be bad, we can fucking go, well, I knew it was going to suck. I knew it was going to be bad. And that's just awful. Awful. I don't, I don't enjoy that. I don't like that feeling. That's why I went to see predator. Fuck. I, in my mind, I thought it was going to be bad. I was like, yeah, but I wanted to go see it with my friends. And like I said, man, if you can, if you can have that movie with three of your friends and a pizza at one in the morning and you're laughing and high five, and it's fucking great because it is, it's not good, but it's great to laugh at and high five with your friends and go, why the fuck is bash McClintrock fighting the predator (laughs) with, with fists when the predator ripped out the other predators fucking neck. This makes no goddamn sense. Why is Olivia Munn, who who, again is now the baseline for reality at all movies, if if, Olivia Munn should not be able to outrace the Nazis and she certainly doesn't have a GPS in her head to tell you where the fucking prison camp is. All right. That's, that's your arbitrary measurement for every single film from now on. But if you're with your friends and you're laughing your balls off at it, you know, I'll tell you what, one of the best times I ever had at the movies as a kid was I went to see Friday the 13th part fucking whatever, I think three, but that was 3d. So it couldn't have been Friday the 13th part three. It might've been two or possibly four could have been nine or 40 fucking seven. I I don't know, but I went with a bunch of guys from high school, a bunch of people from high school, Lori Tepper, Jim O'Donnell. We all fucking, I mean, everybody went LaPorta. All of us went, there's like 15 people. Max might've even been there. I don't know if he was. And we, we laughed our ass off at that movie. We were high-fiving. We were just like, you know, the, there was a dog. It was one of these movies where like, you know, one of the, one of the kids had a dog, And you're waiting the whole movie for the dog to finally go after fucking Jason. And in the theater, when the fucking dog, we're like the dog and the dog goes after Jason. We went crazy. We were so fucking happy because we were rooting for him to be the fucking the the, the hero, the savior. But it's one of those movies where you can have this kind of communal experience where you're cheering and going crazy and having fun. You know, when I saw Dark Knight at the Arclight, I told this story when when he comes, when he takes the mask off in the bank, the people cheered. When he fucking left the room after talking to the mobsters where he had the, the coat full of grenades and he's like, ah, da, 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 da. and he kicks the door open and he walks out fucking people stood up and went crazy because you were finally excited. You were like, oh my God, there's the fucking Joker. That's the Joker. That's him. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so fucking excited. You want to run around and do a somersault and high five your friends because the thing you've been waiting for is finally there. But also that same attitude can infect us and it can make us bad because when I was a kid, you know, the Joker, Batman, all those things, they were for kids. But now all of these people have grown up and they're all hyper aware and they they know of the Joker and Batman. They become these mainstream, you know, Batman is now uh, he's, he's Magnum P.I. for fuck's sake. I mean, for, for all the people who know about him, for the popularity he has he, and, and the Joker, all, all of these characters, you know, the adults. Dude, think about this. All right. I'm, I'm 51 years old. And I just sat here and jerked off about the Joker for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever the fuck. I didn't want to look at the clock. So that's, that's ridiculous, right? It seems silly on its face. Here's why it really, because now, but I will, it's accepted now because nerd culture, geek culture, comic culture, whatever the fuck that, that runs the show. Dr. Strange, the Thor fucking all these dudes, Ant-Man fucking, uh, you know, Iron Man, Captain America, all these guys, Batman, Superman, that's our new normal for movies. Those are the blockbusters to have. But again, I'm 51. This is stuff I loved when I was 15 years old. So think about it from your parents' angle. Although a lot of you are younger than me. But like when I was a kid, man, what if, how weird would it fucking be if I was, you know, fucking eight and, or, or 12 or whatever the fuck and my dad was 50 and and you got to figure that's what. So my dad would have been 50 because he died when he was 37 and 83. So give him 13 more years from so 96. So if he liked something from the time he was 15, so he's 50 and 96, <laughs> I'm doing the math here. So 35, so 96 to 66. And then, so we'll go to 61, something from 1961. Like what if my dad loved the saint and it like, you know, like, like some fucking radio show or something and, but didn't just love it. I mean, he collected shit and he wanted to go see it and he wanted to watch movies. And he wanted, and he talked about the saint all the time. How weird would that fucking be, man? You know, that's what I'm saying is adults. When I was a kid, adults grew up. They grew up and they started drinking gimlets and they wore fucking slacks and they had key parties and they didn't fucking watch Batman. You know what I mean? It was, it was a goof. It was a joke. Uh, You know, the things that were for childhood were left behind in childhood. And then you had to drive a bus and raise your kids. You had to open the bakery every morning at five in the morning. You had to get some pomade and slick your fucking hair back and have a cigar and drink a fucking 12 pack of beer when you got home and fall asleep in your chair, reading the newspaper. Well, now we've all been given the luxury of still enjoying all of the things we had from childhood because as we've gotten older, they've aged with us, but they just keep rebooting them and making them different for younger generations. And also that gives older people the reason to bitch about how it was so much better back in their day. And we're just in this fucking centrifuge, this hamster wheel of Batman and Spider-Man just constantly being fucking created and, and spit out for other generations to enjoy and other generations to bitch about because they're not as good as their Batman or their Spider-Man. You think my dad was like, fuck, I can't believe The Saint. Why are they remaking The Saint? Like, what if they kept remaking The fucking Saint? Why is he The Avengers with them appeal, which they wound up making a movie about and it fucking died. But think of that, if, you're, if your parents did something from the 60s, and they just and they still loved it when they were 50, like my mom loved Elvis, and he wound up dying, I'm sure she'd still love Elvis now, but he doesn't count. But if my mom still loved Elvis movies, and Elvis was still making movies like fucking Blue Hawaii when he was 85 years old, I mean, that would be fucking pathetic. So if people look at us, they got to think it's fucking weird. They got to think it's weird for people my age to like Batman and the Joker, and and like I said, I just fucking, I, I just waxed rhapsodic about it for however fucking long but it's it's because it you know we 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 have the luxury of of still being in touch with our childhoods because the internet has allowed nothing to die it never goes away and as long as auteurs like martin scorsese want to get involved as long as people like i, I can't pronounce his name but the guy who made ragnarok as long as these sorts of projects interest them, then then we'll always have them and they'll always be good for us and we'll be happy tomorrow. I I, I think the X-Men, you know, Dark Phoenix trailer is supposed to premiere. I've read nothing but bad things about it. Like I, it's funny how I can take or leave the X-Men. I don't give a flying fuck Wolverine. I like, but everybody else, I don't know who gives a shit. Like, you know, I can't imagine like I'm sat here just now, literally, and and just gave the Joker a handjob for an hour. I can't imagine talking to you about Gambit for five seconds. I can't. Because you love what you love and it sticks with you. So I had to hear people bitching and they're moaning and they're yelling and they're fucking angry about the Joker and they're mad about the clip. And they, you know, I even talked to Mex about it. He doesn't like the makeup. He's like, nah, man, they had the chance to do something really different here. And he said when he saw Heath Ledger the first time, it blew him up. You know, he was thinking to himself, holy fuck, you know, this is this is a guy that's dangerous and different. And I, I can totally see that. I can absolutely see that. But But my take on the makeup on Joaquin Phoenix is... Arthur is so drab. Arthur is nothing. Arthur is is a f- an afterthought. He's the guy you bump into on the street. You might not even say, excuse me. You don't notice him. So, of course, he's going to choose the most garish clown makeup he possibly can. I mean, he's he hasn't gone straight psycho yet because this is the beginning of the Joker. He's not He's maybe not as malevolent right from the jump. He's just learning how to express himself. And when he's learning how to express himself... He's going to pick the most colorful avenue that he possibly can. So of course he's going to make his face up to be like a completely garish clown. But also he's going to put too heavy on the mouth and too heavy on the lips. And then because he's he's not really in control of himself and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's it's like that line in St- in Signs of the Lambs when uh, Lecter is trying to convince Clarice. He goes it's almost the uh, you know the the elaborate he he lies and and then when she solves it later she goes the elaborate lies of a fledgling killer. You know what I mean? Like the, uh, uh, and, and she puts it all together. So that's the elaborate makeup of, of a fledgling psychopath. That's how I look at Arthur putting on the Joker makeup. And cause it's still normal. It's still within the realm of being a clown or whatever he envisioned himself as, but also he's got enough psychopath in him to where he can't do it. Right. And maybe, maybe he's so excited to come out of his shell and become that character. He can't put it on. Right. His hands shake. Maybe he can't make himself look completely aligned and, and he, you know, you children color outside of the lines and Arthur, by becoming the Joker, uh, and making that decision to basically leave polite society will always, from that moment on color outside of the lines. And that's, and that's exactly reflected in his face makeup. And, and I can't stop. Watching the clip, I'm so excited. I wish I wish October of 2019 was here already. Uh, I'm excited. I because I here's what I hope for. I hope it's a ninth because it's set in the 80s. I hope it's a, a, a like a 1980s fucking crime drama. I hope I hope it's violent. I hope it's a hard R. Because, like I said, I don't want Venom calling people turds. You know, Venom calls a guy a turd. You're just like, see, now this is a concession for audiences. This is a way to make a few extra dollars to avoid a certain rating or to avoid that. I I have to hope for the trailer. The turd was thrown in there and he calls him a fucking piece of shit or whatever the fuck he does. Because that's real. It's just real. It's tin-eared to hear them avoid obscenity in a way to try to make more money it frustrates you and, and it frustrates me any, any project mobster project, any real project, you know, I, I, and so I'm, re- I'm hoping for, you know what? I hope they make, I I've often said that dark Knight was the departed, but Batman shows up. That's how, that's how I saw it. And, uh, and with Scorsese's involvement here in the Joker movie, I, it can't be more more alike with my with my analogy. I I want them to make Mean Streets, but I want the Joker in it. I I want them to make Mean Streets and the Joker is is De Niro. Care I think it's Johnny Boy is is who it is. But that that's what I want. I want the Joker to be fucking Johnny Boy in in Mean Streets. And uh and I will I will pay you every fucking dime I have if you stay true to him being a psychopath. You stay true to him being a murderer. And you don't, and not just you stay true to him being a murderer. You stay true to him being a guy who hurts people, not a mythical figure, not, not, not a fucking super villain, uh, but, but a fledgling killer learning who he is and deciding how much he likes hurting people. That'd be fucking fantastic. And I know you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe he's winding down on his Joker talk. Well maybe I am. Maybe I've got another hour for you. Who knows? Stick around. <laughs> the important thing though is I got to talk about the Joker to you. So not only do you know how I felt about that 30 second clip, but uh but the most important thing of all, now Mex has to paint me in the in the Joker the new Joker makeup, whether he likes it or not. So look for that on fucking Facebook this week. You guys can get me on Mike and Mike Schmidt Comedy on. You guys can get me at. Fuck, why am I getting you on somewhere? I blew that. I do that every fucking week for 11 years. <laughs> uh, you guys can get me at comedycom You guys can be my friend at Facebook.com slash the 40-year-old boy. You can follow me at Twitter.com slash the 40-year-old boy. And also, get this, I'm, also, I'm on Snapchat. Did you know that? I'm on Snapchat and Instagram at Mike40YOB. That's Snapchat and Instagram at Mike four zero YLB. Well, you talk about your, your parents being 15 and then 50 try to explain in Snapchat to them when they're 50 years old or when they're fucking, you know, your parents back then time travel back and go, Hey, there's like a a thing you put on your phone. It's an app. What's an app. Well, I'll get to that in just a second, but it's a ghost and he lets you send your picture to people for three seconds. So if you want to see, if you want somebody to see three seconds of your cock, you can do it. Uh, And then your parent just throws you off of a bridge. Uh, but anyway, I'm on Snapchat and Instagram at Mike four zero Y O B. That's Mike four zero Y O B. Find me on there. Be my friend. Send me things. Let me see them. Join me, please. We're all together. We're all in this together on social media. Why shouldn't we be? So I'm at all those places. You can get me Mike at Mike Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. I'm there. I'm looking for you. Remember that our friend Ryan Dirks does all the web stuff for this show. You can find him at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks. Go there, be his friend. Tell him he's the coolest guy you've ever met. Our good friend Giovanni Giorgio Peluso does all sorts of neat stuff for this show. I've mentioned it many, many times. He did our YouTube channel, and he kind of sherpas me through a bunch of different things all the time. You can find him at all sorts of places. First, he's at Facebook.com slash Giovanni Giorgio Peluso. You can also find him at, uh, on, well, he's on YouTube. He's got his own YouTube channel. I think it's under Giovanni Giorgio Peluso uh but also you're looking for the love between the two hosts is the show that he hosts i don't know, maybe that's the channel that could be the channel but look for the love between the two hosts on uh on youtube and and subscribe to our friend geo's channel and also he's got podcasts man he's got the get it on geo podcast that you can check out and he does all of the love line stuff where he's making uh hay out of he's making uh shit out of shinola is that how it is no he's not he's not doing that he's making hey while the sun shines no he's uh He's 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 a chef. He gets all of the old love line ingredients, and he mixes them up into a boulia base for today, so you can get a spoon and consume some hot steaming love line with your friends, Dr. Drew and Anne uh, and Adam. I almost called him Andrew Corolla. Adam, and it's all courtesy of our friend uh, Giovanni Giorgio Peluso. Again, go to the Love Between the Two Hosts YouTube channel. Check out his podcasts as well, the Geo Get It On podcast, and also Love Line, please, because he's the best. And our friend David Mex Hernandez, who has to paint me. Huh, 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 fighting off a yawn. He has to paint me as the Joker uh, soon. I'm going to tell him he has to, because why not? Because look, we've used all the incarnations of the makeup. You got to use another one. Uh, but David is the coolest. He does all the artwork and the music for this show. You can find him at facebook.com slash David Hernandez. Or no, I'm sorry, David Mex Hernandez. Go be his friend at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. But if you'd like to find some artwork, if you want him to paint you, as the new Joker. You can find him at artbydmh.com. Now, look, there's existing pieces there that you can check out. He's got Valscapes. He's got guycons. He might have even done something for Mean Streets. I don't know if he did. Um, he sold a lot of commissions already, but right now he does have some other pieces there locked and loaded, ready for you to peruse and purchase. But again, like I said, if you want him to do you in a custom fashion, if you want him to paint you as the new Joker, if you want him to paint you as Arthur, if you want him to paint you as Squidly Diddly, who was a cartoon squid, that we all knowed and knowed. we knowed him and we loved him. Jesus Christ. Uh, if you wanted to paint him, you as any sort of famous figure with a powdered wig, if you, if you want, you want him to paint you crossing the Delaware, that's fine. If you want him to paint you buggering somebody who's in the stocks for talking about witchcraft, you can do that too. I don't know we're harkening back to the 1600s, but why not? The point is if you have the money, he will do whatever you need. He won't do any music. He won't sculpt you. Maybe he'll sculpt you out of mashed potatoes. You ever think about that? You ever see that movie? That's fucking Close Encounters, goddammit. Maybe Mechs will sculpt you out of mashed potatoes and send it to your house and you gotta hope, Jesus Christ, I hope you put Fragile on that box. I'm fighting off yawns. How fucking terrible is my head? What's happening? Uh, perhaps I'm boring myself as I talk in fucking circles. The point is, David Mex Hernandez is at artbydmh.com. Hire him to do some sort of private commission for you. Buy one of his existing pieces. He deserves it. You deserve it. You deserve to spend the money. He deserves to get your cash, and he will do fantastic work. I can vouch for that because it does fantastic work for me. It's up right now in my grown-up apartment living room that I told you about for four hours a second ago. Uh, so go ahead and find him at artbydmh.com and contact him. Let him do all of your cool stuff. That's artbydmh.com. A R T uh, oh Jesus. Christ. What happened there? My mouth is crashing. It's like it's like a car accident. He's at artbydmh.com. by Share the crew. Share the crew. the crew. the folks, you know how this show works. We've got sponsors. They all queue up. They line up to get their names mentioned on the show because they're fantastic people. Now, uh, what sponsors do we have right now? Well, of course, it's the Paranoid Strain podcast, folks. You know all about that. It is that fantastic, well-written, well-produced podcast by our friend Fearful Jesuit that's available in the iTunes store right now. This month's episode is about QAnon. I know you're thinking, no, is that Avenue QAnon? No, that is not a play that you ever want to pay to see. Don't, don't ever. If someone says, hey, man, you want tickets to Avenue QAnon? Please do not walk in and see that show, because those are some uh, racists, confused puppets. That's, that's grim for all involved. So... uh Although I guess Q QAnon is actually puppets as well, but they're puppets of the man-man, puppets of Q and all of his cryptic uh, droppings all over the internet that they're piecing together into a big puzzle because the storm is coming, folks. Did you know that? The storm is coming? No, I don't want to blow it. I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to spoiler alert our friend Fearful Jesuits episode of Paranoid Strain featuring QAnon, uh, but he gets to the bottom of it, he tears the lid off of it, and you need to check it out, folks. It's fantastic stuff. It's available in the iTunes store right now. You can leave a review in the iTunes store mentioning our show, saying we sent you over there. That would be great. Uh, Although you may be too gobsmacked after hearing this fucking show because you hear about these crazy motherfuckers and they're queuing on bullshit. And and the worst, again, the worst thing, and I think I mentioned it last week, is how they're all so smug and so confident that they're right. And they do that thing where they dismiss out of hand anybody who doesn't believe them. Well, you know, uh, eventually when Q reveals all and the storm hits, then everybody will realize. And you're just like, you poor deluded motherfuckers like what's going to happen for you when none of this shit hits the fan they'll always get it's like conspiracy theories I've talked about fucking Oswald you know with Max because he's he's he knows everything about the fucking JFK assassination I mean it's ridiculous so when I talk to him he's just like they'll just find another fucking hole to go down it's like the 9-11 people, and you've got footage of the plane hitting the Pentagon, and you've got all the, you know, can prove jet fuel and steel beams, whatever the fuck. They always find a reason. They always find a way. They go, Oh, well, that's what they want you to think. That's what they want you to believe. And the worst part is the internet because it gave these motherfuckers a way to communicate with one another. Again, in every city you went into, there were these idiots on street corners shouting, standing on a fucking Apple box. Well, now they've traded that in for a fucking mouse. Never trade in your Apple box for a mouse. If I, If I can tell you one thing, if I can tell you two things. First of all, Olivia Munn can't run faster than a spaceship. And she doesn't have a GPS in her head. That's one. Two, never trade your Apple box in for a mouse. How about that? Uh, Because these guys are shouty and they're yelling and they're wrong. And they're so fucking wrong. And Fearful Jesuit tears them the fuck apart on the QAnon show. So go ahead and pick up this week's Paranoid Strain or this month's Paranoid Strain. Download it there in the iTunes store. Give it a listen. And as I've said endlessly, I think I even said it earlier in this show, I am fascinated by people who can do things I don't do. Um... Do I think I can do what, what what Fearful Jesuit does? No, I can't. It's so well written. It's it's pieced together so well. The discipline required to create a, what is essentially a work of art every month, out of clips and the research and the work and the facts and the you know it's it's insane and it's a a real high quality product. and I'm honored to be associated with it. So please go check out the Paranoid Strain by our friend fearful Jesuit available in the iTunes store right now like I said leave a, a review in the iTunes store saying we sent you or send don't be afraid to send uh, our friend fearful some some email he gives you the address right there in the show and you can reach out and, and tell him that you heard the show via us and we're keeping people subscribed and getting people on board and you're giving it a chance and you love it that's important because we want Jesuit to know that he's a uh, you know he's a huge part of the 40 year old boy family We want to make sure that everybody out there tells him that he is one uh, and that he's a you your fans of his work because his work is is fucking stellar So please check that out. Uh, I told you about our friend Giovanni Giorgio Peluso's YouTube channel, The Love Between the Two Hosts. Let's talk about our YouTube channel. Why not? We've got the 40-year-old boy YouTube channel uh, that Gio helped uh, put together. And by helped, I mean he did it. And I sent him a bunch of stuff and he keeps doing it, which is fantastic. Uh, But our YouTube channel exists right now. If you want to go ahead and check it out, there's... uh, all sorts of live stream stuff that I've done. There's the every week this podcast goes in there. If you can't listen to it on your iPods, you would just want to walk around and play it on your laptop, you can go ahead and do that. If you don't like iTunes, if you don't do that, go ahead and get it right there on YouTube, folks. I understand everybody consumes their media differently these days, so I'm trying to give you as many options as I possibly can. Uh, and I also live stream occasionally on YouTube. And I know you're thinking to yourself, well, Mike, when's the next live stream? When is the next live stream? Well, I'm here to tell you, folks. It is next Wednesday. Next Wednesday is, let's find the date on that. I think it's the 3rd uh, Wednesday, we'll go with October 3rd, Wednesday nights. And, uh, we'll call it six o'clock again, six o'clock Pacific time, which is nine o'clock in the East, eight o'clock in the Midwest, four o'clock in fucking Hawaii. And, uh, Kuwait's 19 hours ahead of me. So I don't know Japan is, I don't know. They're, they're all ahead of me. Everybody's ahead. So it's in the future. I'll do it at six o'clock PM on Wednesday night, October 3rd, a live stream at YouTube, And, uh, and you could, by that time, I'm hoping my apartment is done. I'm about 85% of the way there. I don't think the artwork will be hung yet, but maybe we can, you know what, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll show you some photographs and you guys can decide what goes on the wall and what doesn't. Uh, and then I'll just go, okay, great. And then I'll just put up what I want, but still the important part is you'll be part of the process. And that's what we all want. We want you on board to go ahead and contribute your, your thoughts. So streaming, next Wednesday, October 3rd at six o'clock PM Pacific time. And you can get out the chart and figure out what time it is all over the earth. Like I said, that's nine o'clock PM in New York. That's eight o'clock PM in Chicago. It's four o'clock PM in Maui. It's uh, seven o'clock PM in Denver. Uh, all of you other people. And again, so like I said, England and everybody else, you guys got to get out a fucking compass and a chart and a pen and a fucking visor and a adding machine and figure it out for yourselves. But the point is I will be there Wednesday, October 3rd, 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific time streaming and talking to you guys about everything or nothing. Perhaps I'll explain it all. Maybe I go closer, Colonel Clarissa on you guys. I'll just show up and explain it all because that's what I have inside me. I want to explain it all. So that's when the next stream is, folks. Uh, if you want to be a Patreon person, why wouldn't you? I, I think you should be. Patreon exists right now. The Patreon page, we go find Mike Schmidt Patreon or Mike Schmidt, the 40-year-old boy. I think it's uh, Mike40YOB, patreon.com slash Mike40YOB. Or you can just go to Patreon and put in my name, Mike Schmidt. It'll come up. Please become a supporter of this show, a monthly supporter. Uh, and and we're, we've got another to tell you about. Our good friend Paul Pepper has jumped on board. Now, he used to support all the time via the, like, the donation button. And then uh, he wound up switching things, and he had to move the things around. And now he's back on Patreon, and it's good for him. And Paul's always very nice. He writes me, he's like, "Hey, Mike, I had to, I'm stopping doing this now because we're moving and doing some stuff, uh, and then I'll jump in in a couple of months." And I always, like I tell everybody, "Hey, you're fantastic. Thank you for thinking of me. You don't ever need to give me an explanation." Uh, but you know what? If you're gone, fuck you. No, that seems weird. But I mean, you're very nice, and thank you, um, Paul, who has the uh, you know the Dark Knight first responder truck, which we've talked about before. He's got a, a Facebook page which you can go like, and uh, and he's also you know bringing the the, the truck. Out to festivals and things like that, you can see it firsthand and see amazing, intricate paint job work on that truck, and uh, and it's for a good cause. It's for to help first responders and things like that. He tries to bring it out to these shows and people come and check it out, and uh, you know you can follow him on Facebook.com. And I, he's got the Dark Knight First Responder truck. He's also on Instagram. I don't know what that is, but if you put, it, I'm sure if you put in Dark Knight First Responder truck, and I think he put in the number one one st but uh, that's all that all exists but anyway so paul pepper's now a patreon guy too so check that out man he's double dipping this show he's asking me hey can you tell me about the dark responder truck and then he puts a little boom boom in the pocket that's how it works folks you want me to talk about you and your dumb truck I, i'll just you just go ahead and put the boom boom in the old pocket and eh, it's not a dumb truck i'm teasing it's first responders and everybody loves it and people died for, so he could make that truck well i mean no they didn't die so he could make that truck that sounds bad that sounds like 9-11 happened only so our friend paul could have this truck maybe that's true you know what i don't know what was going through the mind of muhammad Atta. perhaps he, he thought to himself if Only... I can get together a bunch of my friends because I'm assuming they're friends, right? They had to be friends. The 9/11 hijackers. Oh, there's got to be there's 20 guys. Got to be one guy in there who's like, I hate these dudes, or one guy that everybody else hated. Like the other 19 guys who get together and be like, I fucking can't stand this guy. I can't wait till he dies on 9/11. Oh, that's gonna be great. The only look, the only reason I'm doing this fucking thing is so that guy eats it. I don't, I don't give a fuck about virgins or or fucking martyrism. I don't give a shit about uh, the the Koran. I just want that guy dead and you needed a 20th. You had 19 and that's not a, that's not, you gotta go even numbers if you're gonna go to martyrdom. So I said to myself, you know what? I want that guy dead. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. I show up, become the 20th hijacker just so that guy fucking bites it. I'm, I'm willing to pay the ultimate price so we can all be rid of that motherfucker. Uh, and also we want Paul to have a truck. Maybe that was what they were thinking. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. That, that actually really makes me laugh. The idea of one of the 20 guys they hated another guy so much. He just jumped in because he goes, I, you know what? I don't even want to. I don't even care about this cause. I don't give a shit about Osama or the fucking 9-11 nonsense. Uh, we, we, by, the way, by the way, this is episode nine eleven. 11 I should have mentioned that earlier. Uh, you'll never forget this episode. Clearly, you will never forget this episode. But yeah, that dude is just like, hey, man, I hate that guy so much. I'm jumping in. I'm doing this right fucking now. Uh, God damn it. That made me laugh. All right. Uh, hey, you want to be an Uber driver? So anyway, so thank you, Paul Pepper, for joining Patreon. And maybe you should join Patreon, too. Who wants to be an Uber driver? Who wants to be a Lyft driver? If you want to be a Lyft driver, use my code. This is all caps. mike 7 2 7 mike That's mike 7 2 7 You can use that to become a driver at Lyft. You can use it for a first-time ride at Lyft. I get dough either way, man. And if you want to be an Uber driver, this is all lowercase, man, lowercase, djzw one Y T T U E DJ one Y T T U E. You can use that to become a driver or you can use that to, uh, become a first time rider. If you're taking your first time ever ride in an Uber and, uh, and you'd want to use my code. That's fantastic. Cause then you know, I get a taste of all of this folks. That's, that's, what's keeping me afloat. That's what's making this, this engine run, shoveling the coal in and throwing it in there so we can just fucking chug and chug chugging and John Henry the fuck out of this goddamn place. Uh, so please do that. That's fantastic. Go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Go to the YouTube. Uh, well, no, don't go there. Go to the MikeSchmidtComedy.com and go to the uh, the Joe Business page. That's what we're doing. We've got stuff on sale there, live stuff, things we've sold in the past, and we're brainstorming shirts as we speak. However, the important thing is the Amazon link lives on the Joe Business page. So if you go ahead and click the Joe Business page, uh, you'll go there and you'll see Amazon. Click through that and do all of your Amazon shopping while you're in there on our dime. Uh, because then we get money, they get money, you get stuff. It works out perfectly for everybody because it doesn't cost you anything extra. You're just helping out the damn show. All you did was, you know what it cost you? A thumb callus. Aren't I worth a thumb callus, folks? Click, click, click away. Chim, chim, cheree. Get in there, buy a fucking chimney or an umbrella or whatever the fuck Mary Poppins would have you get or is that chitty, chitty, bang, bang? Chim, chim, tree No, it's just a chimney sweep, right? Chim, chim, tree Chim, chim, chiree. Uh Chim, chim, the monkey from Speed Racer 2. Uh, I just wrote a song. So please... Go to, I forgot what I was saying. Go to go to the Joe business page. Chim, chim, cheree. Mary Poppins in a fucking umbrella, whatever the fuck. Uh, chitty, chitty, bang, bang. All of it. It's there. Go ahead and slip on through. Hit the Amazon link. Get to Amazon and do all your shopping. We get a taste. We get money. They get money. You get stuff. It costs you nothing extra except for that thumb callus. And I'm worth it. God damn it. Who isn't worth a thumb callus? Everybody else out there. But who is me? Damn it. Take that and run with it. You fucks. That seems aggressive. Uh, all right. I, you know, I need to do this, man. I need to thank everybody who was in Toronto. I, I got caught up in Joker talk and I didn't finish talking about Toronto. I didn't get into all that. And I, I, I won't belabor the point. We had a fucking fantastic time. Um, we went to a rage room. Our friends Ken and, and Tresha showed up. That was fun to have them there. So it was me and Ken and Ken and Tresha, a couple of Kens, a double Ken attack in the rage room that day. And, uh, and we had fun smashing things, wearing coveralls and masks. And I headbutted Tresha at one point, And that was totally cool. We had crowbars and mini baseball bats. And we were smashing cups and fucking printers. And it was, it was totally fun. The rage room's always fun. So we had an escape room, we had an axe room, we had a rage room, we had a baseball room, we wound up going to the Sky Dome and checking out the Blue Jays. Now here's a, here's a funny story about the Blue Jays, not really funny, but it's, this is what happened. Uh, you know, me, John, and Ken go, and then we're joined by someone named Stacy, I don't know if I mentioned her earlier in the show, that was fun, I'm so glad she came to the baseball game. Uh, and guess what, at the baseball game, still didn't make her laugh, oh, what a surprise. Uh, but we're watching the game and Tampa Bay starts to beat the Blue Jays into submission, it's 8-2 to in the 8th inning, now we have a dinner reservation at 10 o'clock. It's about nine twenty-five, and Ken orders another beer. And John's like, "Hey, man, we got to get going. We got to get to dinner." He says, "Yeah, well, the game's not over yet." And 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 look, what I'm I'm on I'm there on Ken's good humor. I'm there on John's good humor. I don't I got no fucking vote. So I just sat back and let those two hash it out. So Ken's like, well, I got a beer coming. He's like, well, I right, knock back the beer and then we'll go to the fucking, we'll go to dinner. You mind leaving early? And Ken's like, nah, I, uh, maybe, I don't know. It's, you know, there's still a game to play here. And, and everybody else was still streaming out of the fucking stadium and it's eight to two again, blue Jays up eight to two, the, or I'm sorry, uh, Rays up eight to two blue Jays blow. So, uh, so he finishes the beer. We're in the bottom of the eighth. and It's like, all right, let's take off. So we split and me, John and Ken head down. We grab a cab. We get to antler. Uh, Antler is an amazing restaurant. We had spice-crusted ash, -ash spice-ash-crusted deer, I should say, uh, which, uh, John ordered raw, basically, (laughs) he ordered it pretty blue, but it was still good, but it was the kind of blue where, like, your knife doesn't cut it, you know what I mean, that just the meat starts to move with your knife a little bit, and, uh, and so it might have been a little hair under for me and Ken, but I still ate it, it was still delicious. Uh, we had that, we had a, uh, a bison ribeye with some chanterelles and a a broccoli rapini and a fucking, uh polenta, a creamy polenta. We had another duck dish. We had some uh, duck with a, with a corn-based succotash with a blackberry coulis. Holy fuck. Was that good? We ate a, a like a soup that was delicious. We had a, we had bread with spreadable duck fat pate. Oh my God. It was all, it was all animals. We just ate a zoo. We ate a fucking zoo. And uh, so we sit down at the table, we order the soup, we're getting the bread, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And I take out my phone because I'm like, well, what the hell? It took us a while to get here. And I go to the baseball on uh, my, my MLB app and I open it up and I, I'm not kidding you. I glance down and it says Tampa Bay eight, Toronto six, ninth inning. And I go, oh, I guess the Blue Jays made a move to myself, like in my head. And then this, the number turns and it says eight. eight and I look up at Ken and I go, Blue Jays tied it in the ninth. Now Ken's wearing a Blue Jays jersey. He's a fan. He's a fucking Blue Jays fan. And I look up at him and I go, Hey, Blue Jays just tied it in the ninth. And he goes, Oh, that's hilarious, right? And I go, Dude. And I look down at my phone. And as I look down at my phone, I'm going to hold it up. I'm going to hold the screen up to his face, and I want to make sure. You know, you move your phone sometimes and it goes black because the fucking screen. It's ten seconds or whatever. So I look down to make sure I got the score. And as I look at it, the Blue Jays, the score turns again nine eight. I go, Blue Jays won. He goes, Will you stop? And I go, Dude. And I hold up the phone. And he just, he looks at me and I look at him and I open it up and I go, seven runs in the ninth, three home runs. And there's a beat of silence. And the two of us just turn our heads slowly to look over at John. <laughs> and John, John is sitting there. And he looks at both of us and he just goes, man, this, this soup is really good, right? Because <laughs> what the fuck else is he going to say? And, uh, or was it the hunter that was, there? I don't remember what the fuck, but whatever. He he had nothing to say. He was doomed. And I look at it and I open it up again. they scored seven biggest comeback in Blue Jays history. Biggest comeback in major league baseball this season, seven runs in the bottom of the ninth with three home runs, including back-to-back homers to walk off and win it. We walked out on that. We saw all of the eight to two dink and dunk and singles and bullshit And then we leave and we miss fireworks and bombs and nonsense. Oh, my Christ. And dinner was fantastic because, again, we ate those three entrees. And then John, who's a fucking machine, just goes, hey, let's try the fish. So he asked the chick what kind of fish they got. And they had halibut and then they had a pickerel, I think it's called. So he gets the halibut with a butter sauce and some golden beets and some peas. We knocked that down. Then he wants dessert. So we got a fucking maple ice cream sandwich on brioche. Uh, with with uh, a caramel, salted caramel, and pumpkin seeds. Holy God! I mean, just that again—literally like nine things too many on a plate. But we cleaned house on that at Antler. It was fantastic, um, and it was great. I mean, just the time. And then Friday came, and you know, we were downtown, and I didn't do anything. I had to get ready for the show, and and we had the show at Steve's Music, courtesy of our friend Rick Wellbanks. And and you know, it was a very—it was look, man. It, we, I said I wasn't selling tickets. It was a totally small crowd that showed up. Our buddy Robert Chaz Shoot showed up. Uh, our friend Paul showed up. Our friend Paul Murray Brogi came to town. Uh, it, it was just it was just so cool. I mean, I, I and a Mike, our friend Mike showed up. He was there, and 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 Mike had seen me in 2012 actually. Or no, he he had missed me. Did he miss me? I'm trying to remember. I, I don't recall. I apologize. It was a whirlwind time, and so I streamed the show live. You know, our friend Rick Wilbank's owned uh, the music place. Oh, and Canon Canon Tresha came to that as well. Tanya. And uh, and Mike, her husband, came out, and and it was just it was fantastic. I mean, it was so great. We and I did the show, and the show was you know I, I I was very happy because we wanted I wanted to stream it. I set up a laptop, I streamed it live, and people came into the chat room and watched that. And then I immediately made it private. It's available on Patreon now. If you become a patron of ten dollars or over, you'll get to be able to watch that show. But uh, and I'm going to do a lot more of that. I mean, I loved it. It worked out great. Um, I don't know if it'll ever work out that smoothly again. I mean, we were able to set up the laptop right now, I mean, I was in profile, so you got to see me in profile, do the show. And then I'd periodically turn around and look at the screen as if it were an audience member. And then I did the the set for everybody in the crowd and, and it was phenomenal. I mean, I just, I dudes, I love Canada so much. I love Toronto so much. And I love the people there so much. They came out, we, we had a good time and, and I can't thank them enough and everybody. And so then at the end of the show, they passed the hat and, uh, and I, I have to say that their generosity was overwhelming. I mean, I was, again, humbled and grateful for everybody who came out to see the show and hang out because when I go up there, like I said, I mentioned it last episode, Ken brings me up, I stay at his house, and they're like, don't even grab your wallet. But at the end of this show, man, they passed the hat around and everybody was so generous and so nice. And and really, they thought of me and took care of me in a way that I did not expect to have happen. And I just, I, I'm i slackjawed. I'm endlessly charmed and and taken aback And humbled by the fact that you guys support me as much as you do. And I appreciate it very much. Um... And so I, I can only hope that I'm doing the right things for you. And if you've got anything you want different or whatever the fuck, tell me. And of course, I won't do it. But still, at the same time, reach out. Please, please don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, and, and, and look, I don't have any other scheduled shows right now. I know I'll be back in Canada next year. And next year, when I go to Canada, I might do a show in Steve's Music, just another show in an attic somewhere. And then I might do a real show. Not a real show. Fuck that. This was a real show. I did it about an hour and 20 minutes. But I'll do a show in a theater somewhere as well and sell tickets to that. It'll be you know, there'll be a friends only thing maybe at like, a, a, you know, that same deal. And then also people, if they want to come see me in a theater, it'll be fantastic. And, and I would love it. And I, I Canada an annual thing. Fuck. If I don't move up there for fuck's sake, but it'll be a thing that I always come to. And I, and I want to go everywhere. We've, we've mentioned it all the time. I would love to do things, but with the apartment taking shape, with the streaming stuff happening, with Twitch about to happen, I think, you know, maybe I'll be able to wean off the driving a little more, be able to go out of town and do some shows. And, uh, and I, you know, and also, fuck, maybe I'll just stream. Maybe you don't want me to come to your, live, your town live, but I'll always come to Canada because everybody was fucking grateful and nice and r- really super cool. But, uh, but maybe I just, maybe I stream. Maybe you want to watch me uh, do stuff on Twitch. Maybe you want to watch me play games. I mentioned Brogi gave me some games last week. I got other games here to play. Uh, maybe I'll just go out. Maybe that's it. Maybe you just want to watch me play Old Madden. Is that what it is? Is that what you people have? Is that what you've got in your, your minds? Are you? you thinking to yourself, Mike I wanna see what Mike does with the nineteen ninety six Kansas City Chiefs. Are you thinking that to yourself? Are you like, Oh my god, I cannot believe what Mike's gonna do with these fucking Chiefs? What if, I've got a Madden game from like ninety three, what if I bust that out? And I just play the old fucking Packers and I load the backfield up and I'm Paul Horning the shit out of you guys. You ready for that? to a throne if you're not gonna suck it. dick.